talk is money, honey. All we talk is money. All we talk is money. It's like bees to the honey. The sauce cast, baby. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a Tuesday edition, old school of the sauce cast. Sat and Nat, sauce and Nat reacts. Here we go. It's just you and I today, Nat. I love it. No guests, Aww. no panelists, no You're lovely so ladies. You're so far away. It's okay. Um, don't touch me. Um, <laughs> welcome to Sauzcast, the sexiest financial show in the world. This is where finance meets romance. You know what we do. We have one goal. We have one objective. We have one main purpose. We want to see you guys out there get paid, laid, and do it your way. way. Today's a different type of episode, by the way. We're not going to be talking too much about money, but we will at the end. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be talking too much about relationships, um, but we may. It's sort of like business relationships, networking relationships, not so much dating. That might come into play here. But not sure if you know this, have had a crazy week. Uh, we're flying out to Vegas later today yes. to um, to go to the PHP annual event, yep. which Patrick Brett David does at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Sick event. Amazing. Past couple times I've been there. Who's been there? Nikki Jam, yeah. Shaq, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Kevin Hart, Kobe Bryant. Oh, yeah, George just a couple Bush. other names, yes. <laughs> just a few big Just a names. couple names. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Uh, we interviewed Mike Tyson there. Yep. Um, may or may not smoke a joint with him. I don't know. That's why I said may or may not. I don't know what we did. This year, UFC Hall of Famer, yeah. gangster-ass Russian Khabib will be speaking, yep. uh, as well as Char- Charlie Kirk, mm-hmm. uh, who's an absolute beast, whether you're um, on the political right or the political left. Dude's got skills. Will Gadara, who ran the nicest uh, number one restaurant, restaurant in New York, yeah. will also be there. He'll also be at the vault. Um, yeah. Going to be a sick, sick... Amazing event. He wrote the book called uh, Unreasonable Hospitality. Yep. And that's why, you know, I wanted to bring milkshakes for all the production staff here. Oh. So they can uh, get a little taste of Saz's unreasonable hospitality. Oh. And maybe they get a little, you know, shake in their life. Maybe they got to run to the bathroom real quick. I don't know what they got to do. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that's what's going on the PHP event. Uh, this past week, um, you might have heard the Tates are off of house arrest. I, I've been speaking with, uh, well, they've been home. They're I know, on house arrest. Like, now they're, they're about like to leave their home. Freely home. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, we'll discuss that. I've heard back from Tate's camp some, some messaging that they want the world to know. Mm. Uh, I'm in touch with both the brothers, both those guys, their entire camp. Obviously, as PBD, we've done multiple interviews with those guys. You know, I think the world of them, I think their message is beyond necessary for men today. Um, We'll discuss that today. Yeah. Uh, we went to this little upstart podcast. Patrick Bed David did it, and he brought Vinny, myself, and a couple of our team members over to little 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 podcast in Austin, Texas, called the Joe Rogan Experience. Whoop, whoop. We'll discuss our experience with Joe Rogan there. So if you guys want to know the little inside scoop of what's going on uh, in Rogan World in Austin, um, his show, his comedy club, his favorite restaurant, mm. uh, we had a lot of meat. Uh, a lot of steak, a lot of beef. Mm. Where's the beef? Uh, we'll give you guys a little insight as to what it's like hanging with Rogan and his crew. Mm. Um, we flew back that day. We had uh, a podcast. We landed. Uh, we had a podcast, very interesting enough, with Nick Fuentes. Yes. Uh, alleged white supremacist, alleged anti-Semite, alleged mm. racist. I say alleged because if we learned anything from Tate, people will throw labels on you. So I'll discuss my experience with Nick, 
Mm -hmm. um, very interesting conversation. Uh, some highs and lows, so we'll discuss that. The next day, we had um, the mayor of Miami, my amigo, my compadre, mi, mi, mi gente, Mayor Francis Suarez, who I've known for years, was an absolute beast. He's a candidate in the Republican primary. He's working on getting on that debate stage with DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. So we'll discuss a little bit of politics today, but more about the networking component with that. And maybe a guy named Donald Trump might show up on the debate stage. I don't Ooh. know if you've heard of this guy, but he um. may or may not debate. I don't know. So we'll discuss our experience with Vivek, because PBD did yes. a town hall with Videk, Vivek. Yeah. That was sick. Yeah, was We'll amazing. discuss if he may or may not be the first millennial president mm. in the history of the United States. We'll see. Uh, and for sure, possibly the first Hindu President of the United States. Yeah, look at Nat right Yay. there doing a little Hindu dance. Okay. <laughs> now you got a little Indian in you. I do. I do have some yeah. Indian in me. You're yes. here with your family, your dad, your mom, your yeah. sisters. Yes. The whole squad. Yes. Um, For during the all that, maybe we'll talk about a little minor red pill drama that uh, was directed towards your boy Saz. Oh, all yes. good. I'm a big boy. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about um, some of the. the um, Things that happened uh, on the aftermath of the Nick Fuentes, what's going on with that. We'll talk about Lizzo, and he got into it with Tristan Tate. Yep. We'll talk about that today. Um, interesting enough, uh, the fat shaming that she's <laughs> been uh, feeling the brunt of for many years. Apparently, she's been doing it low-key behind the scenes to her people. Yikes. So we'll discuss the, the hypocrisy with that. And most, uh, last but not least, we're talking about your money and if being too agreeable mm. costs you Money, no, you know uh, the book. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. Maybe for you, nice guys out there, you know, I say nice guys finish nice last. Guys. We'll debate that. We'll have some conversations about that. PBD mm. has done some um, videos about All not that. being too nice and yes. not being too agreeable, and whether it's better to be selfish or selfless. So a lot to cover. Yeah. Uh, on today's episode, uh, we're gonna go rapid fire. We got a lot of things going on today. It's just me and you today, Nat. Whoop whoop. I love it. Me and you today, Aww. Nat. Throw those uh, L's in the chat if you love Nat. Or throw those L's in the chat if you want to see Nat get the boot from the <laughs> no. sauce cast. We'll see. She's no. skating on thin ice Not over here. Not going anywhere. But it's been a wild week, and I want to share that with you guys. Yes. Real quick, just shout out. We are, what's today's date? Today, today is, is the 8th. So we are about 21 days out from the Valuetainment annual event bonanza extravaganza called The Vault. Couple little no name guys will be there. Uh, Tom Brady. Your crush. Uh, Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, my man crush, Tom Brady. Mike Tyson. Yes. Will Gadara, who we just discussed, will be at the PHP event. Mm -hmm. Ran the number one restaurant in New York, the author of Unreasonable Hospitality. We'll discuss that. And PBD will be there. My favorite. The BizDoc will be there. My favorite. I'll be there. Vinny Woo! will be there. The whole squad will be there. I love it. If you have not gotten your tickets to the vault, we'll put a link below to the vaultconference.com. Uh, Mario and Leo and the entire sales team up there are working feverishly yes. to make sure it's a packed house. I think 3,000 people will be in attendance for that. Yeah. But if you're not able to make the vault, we have a little app or an application mm. uh, on the uh, interweb called Minect. Um, yours truly uh, takes that very seriously. I'm the number one person on Minect. Yes, you are. So if you want to get in touch with me, ask me questions, do a FaceTime, um, have me respond to some of the challenges you're having in your life where you can find me on Minect as well as PBD, Andrew Tate, Tristan Tate, Sammy the Bull, Michael Frances, uh, all our friends are on there. Minect, uh, sick app that we developed to get in touch with you guys 
Uh, I suck at my DMs. I'm low-key sucking on my emails. I got to uh, figure that out. I have two assistants, and I'm still running behind on DMs. You're my neck level. And on... Um, and on emails, but I, re I respond 100% of the time on Manect. And if you are an influencer out there or an expert that you want to get your message out to the world, uh, you can also sign up for Manect. So check that out. Mm -hmm. So a lot of action going on here. Wild week. And now the week's only going to get crazier because we're off to Vegas, baby. Yes. And of course, in Vegas, I will be on my best behavior. I will be asleep before curfew every single night. I will not be going out. I will not be partying. Uh, and I will oh. not be drinking. Uh. I will not be gambling. I will not do any of that nonsense. Oh in Vegas the first night. Okay, yeah, there and we then go. <laughs> we'll see what happens from there. Yes. But what happens in Vegas <laughs> what? stays in Vegas. I hope so. Except for herpes, y'all. That <laughs> shit's coming back with you. Uh, so wrap it up, ladies and gentlemen, while you're out there. Yes. Um, so that's what's going on. A lot of action, which we're discussing today. We're also going to be focusing on the Super Chats. I want to get your thoughts on the Rogan experience. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew Tate, Nick Fuentes being with the mayor. Everyone Graham Stephan from was actually part of that um podcast with um PBD. with um with the mayor and mm -hmm. pbd on the pbd podcast we'll be out in vegas i'm going to be hanging out with graham yeah we're going to be doing access vegas mm. with rollo and michael sartain nice zirka apparently is making an experience uh, uh, an appearance uh, an appearance there i'm okay. sure everything with zirka will be calm cool collected no drama no cursing certainly no drugs so that's just not what zirka does never for sure not and then uh, i think uh, Troy Francis will be joining us, um, a very reputable gentleman, and then a, lovely, a bunch of lovely ladies, so check that out on Access Vegas. Shout out to Rolo, shout out to Michael, thanks for having me on. You know, I think the world of those guys and what they do. Yeah. And then I'm joining another podcast um, from Ryan, what's Ryan's last name again? Pineda. Ryan Pineda. You're welcome. What a beast. Yes. He's an awesome guy. Uh, so we'll be doing his podcast out there, and his podcast is called, Joey, The Wealth of... Anyway, Ryan, Ryan Panetta, absolute beast. You know what he does. So we'll be doing that out there. So a lot of action that we'll be discussing from this prior week uh, and a lot of action that is upcoming this week and The Vault mm -hmm. and Manect and a whole lot of fun stuff that we'll be announcing coming up. What was that? The Wealthy Way podcast. The Wealthy Way. Let's do it. Speaking of The it. Wealthy Way, uh, we will be discussing money. We'll be discussing some super chats with you guys out there. Thank you for being here on a Tuesday episode of The Sauscast. It's just Nat, myself, and Malik the Freak, let's get a shout out to Malik him right the there. Freak. Low key, no, no, no. absolute stud. He doesn't say much, but when he does, listen up, y'all, because he's going to drop some dimes. Nat, before yes. I get this party started, and we'll get into what we're discussing today that we just uh, addressed. What's new, girl? What's new in your world? What do you want the crowd to know? Yes. Uh, well, happy Saucecast Day, everybody. Saucecast Day is always my favorite day. I get to spend some time with Sauce and you guys. So thank you all for tuning in. Um, if we can all just take a second, everybody just stop in their tracks. Stop, stop, stop. Oh. Okay. I want you to subscribe to the channel. Oh. Okay. Subscribe to Saucecast. Like, share. Do that right now. Let's take a second of silence. Subscribe. A little there we moment go. of silence and a right little there. like. Thanks, there we Nat. go. Let me have you guys like and share and subscribe. Do all that fun stuff. You know, we just hit 200k, so we really appreciate you guys. You know, subscribing to the family. You know, we're just getting started. This week is just showing you like we are like going through so many exciting things. So make sure you guys subscribe to the channels. You guys don't want to miss all the things that we're going to be touching and doing. Um, so we're super excited. A lot of events headed you know our way and it's about to get started so make sure you guys do all that fun stuff now 
I'm seeing in the chats, you guys actually really enjoyed some of the guests we've had from Nick Fuentes. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of W Nick on here, so that's an interesting take. Um, we'll be reading all Super Chats today. I would love to hear some of your perspective on some of the things that we talk about today. Um, I love kind of sauce and that days because it gives you, Adam, a chance to really speak on certain experiences and cer talk on certain topics that I think your perspective is very valued. That's why you're the number one on my next. Thank you, Nat. So uh, let's get this party started let's and get let's get ready started. to go. So um, quick little money chat real quick. Um, Want to give a shout out to a group that I think is crushing right now, and that is American Hartford Gold. You know, all I'm, all, I'm all about saving yes. that money. money, being smart with your money, being prudent, being fiscally conservative, with your money, save that money. Um, and there's ways to save that money. There's different asset allocation strategies. And one of them is investing in gold, saving in gold, beating inflation. I love gold. So, you know, I'm all about diversification of your assets. So save before you invest. And then when you invest, what are you investing in? You know, I'm big fans of 401ks and Roth IRAs. I'm not a huge real estate guy, but I do invest in REITs. And then a, a conversation that I had with Robert Kiyosaki mm. years ago, was not years ago, months ago, yeah. and years ago, multiple conversations right. when I've interviewed Kiyosaki. Um, he's like, man, you got to get in on the Bitcoin, you got to get in on the gold, and you got to get in on silver. I said, tell me why. He's like, and he ripped up a Zimbabwe dollar, <laughs> and he's like, this is nothing. This is toilet paper now. This could happen to the U.S. dollar, you know, with everything that's going on with bricks out there and, and basically major uh, countries out there trying to get off the U.S. dollar, which has been pegged as the um, the gold standard, mm. ironically enough, of currencies out there. But basically, here's the deal what happens with gold, okay? So American Hartford Gold will ship physical gold, actual physical, I just robbed the bank, I got gold, physical gold <laughs> or silver directly to your door, or they can set you up with a gold IRA. If you do have an IRA or a Roth IRA or 401k, a small percentage of your asset allocation, you know, look into gold, silver to help you beat inflation. So American Hartford Gold has earned a five-star rating from thousands of reviews, thousands of thousands of reviews. We put the link right there. But more importantly, they received an A-plus mm. from the BBB. You know what the BBB stands for? No. The Better Business Bureau, baby. There we That's go. That's four Bs right there. I threw that extra B in for you. I had to count it. Okay, BBB. <laughs> so here's a deal for all our value-tainers out there, fans of the Sauscast VT deal from American Hartford Gold. They will give you up to $5,000 mm. for free. Mm. Free money. Save that money uh, of silver on your first order. Click the link in the description. We have that below. Or you can call 866-443-6361. Okay. 866-443-6361. Or you can text mm. SOS, S-O-S, to 6553. 65532. Help. 65532. Again, here's the numbers 866 443 6361 or text SAUCE to 65532. Anyway, shout out to American Hartford Gold. We love helping gold. you diversify your assets and your allocation strategy. So when you save that money, you beat inflation and make a good ROI on that money. So shout out to those guys. Anyway, awesome. A lot going on in the news, a lot going on this week, but possibly. The biggest story of the week. Yes. Breaking news uh, that we found out. I actually found it out when we were with Rogan. I was like, guys, check this out. This is what yeah. just happened. Uh, Andrew Tate, Tristan Tate, released from house arrest. Yay. A few months ago, they were released from prison. Uh, PBD and myself flew out to Romania with our team. We did an interview not only with Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate, 
I like to say it was the first long-form podcast that he did. It was five-hour marathon with Andrew. I believe it was an hour and a half with Tristan mm-hmm. after our friends, our colleagues at the BBC completely dropped the ball and missed the mark. And basically after... Um, advocating to Andrew Tate, I promise we'll be fair, the Lady Lucy, it was a complete hit hit piece, hit job, uh, disaster that happened there. We flew out, picked the ball up, ran it up in the end zone, had an amazing interview with Andrew Tate. The guy's an absolute beast, and Tristan is a pure gentleman. We had an amazing experience there. Awesome. Did the interviews, had amazing lunch, steak lunch, steak dinner, everything that came with that. Smoked hookahs, had drinks. Tristan and I, I think, finished an entire bottle of Johnny Blue. Mm. There's like red, black, green, and the highest is the blue. Mm. So uh, we finished a bottle of that. Uh, Absolute gentleman. uh, And our experience there was incredible. But here's the article that actually just came out Mm -hmm. recently about their release from house arrest. Romanian court releases influencer Andrew Tate and his brother from house arrest pending trial. So here's the deal. The Bucharest Court of Appeals replaced the house arrest measure with that of a judicial control period of 60 days from August 4th until August till October 2nd. So he's he's got 60 days of non-house arrest. And I'm not a, an attorney, but I'll play one on this Sauzcast. So here's what happens under judicial control. There are basically three main rules if you're keeping up with the Tate story, if you want to know what's going on there. Rule number one, the Tate brothers can, can leave their house, mm-hmm. but not the city of Bucharest. Okay. All right, cool. That's fine. They're, they're basically they're saying they're not a flight risk. Mm-hmm. Um, they're allowed to leave their house. Not sure how much time they're going to spend leaving their house, but if they want to, you're allowed to leave the house. By the way, their house, the compound, I would call it, absolutely sick. There's a place to be on house arrest. Not a bad place to be, <laughs> from my experience. Didn't feel like I was uh, uh, on in jail or basically dealing with anything um, non-fun. Being in uh, the Tate compound, it was great. Nice. Uh, number two uh, of the judicial control, three main things. Number two, they have to regularly check in with Romanian police. We get it. You understand. Yeah. There's check-in. There's protocol with that. Here's actually the funniest one. Not so much funny, but number three, they cannot visit their alleged victims. Here's the funny part with that. Uh, I don't think they exist. <laughs> okay? I don't. You know, I think they're just scrambling that they've been looking for victims Nobody has actually come forward. No actual real names. No credible sources. It's all allegedly. It's all hearsay. A lot of it, they tracked down people in the UK from 10 years ago. Someone that they may or may not have a relationship with. 10 years ago in the UK. No. Basically, has nothing ha- nothing to do with Romania or certainly in Bucharest. So interesting enough. So the boys are, are back. back. The boys the are boys back in town. Back. So <laughs> shout out to those guys. I nice. reached out to their team. Um, they actually were very uh, positive. They were ecstatic. They were happy. Good. And the overall message was like, yeah, we knew this were coming. Of course. Because we're innocent. And yeah. there's nothing, there was no there there. There was no crime there. And they knew in the interviews we said, it's like, where are they finding these people? Who are these alleged victims? Mm-hmm. Nobody has said anything. And sort of humorously, they were like, so we're being convicted of trafficking girls who did TikToks for us and we took all their TikTok money. Uh, I don't know anybody that's making money from TikTok. And if it is, it's very little. Uh, and he goes, who in the world spends 35 years becoming a businessman, kickboxer, influencer, and then all of a sudden just decides to do human trafficking? Yeah. It doesn't work that way. 
Um, so, you know, I think those guys are innocent. I've been saying that more and more loud and proud. The mainstream media will have you believe he's a misogynist uh, and all these sorts of things and a human trafficker. He's just the freaking top G. He's a dude that's doing his thing. Um, here's sort of their message of what they had to say. So Tate was like, it's a counterattack, baby. Counterattack on the Matrix. I was like, respect, dude. Good for you guys. Um, Tristan was like, look, this is a long time coming. And he basically said, if there's any evidence, they would have kept them, them locked up. Uh, but they didn't. The, Romani the Romanian government knows that they messed up. So I think this is going to be a slow drip of, all right, you're off house arrest. Mm -hmm. All right. We didn't really find anything. All right. Uh, and allegedly what will happen, just like how they get Hoffa and all these other guys is some sort of tax evasion. They'll pay a fine. They'll take millions of dollars from them, but they will have their freedom. When that happens, play this clip and be like, yep, Saz nailed it. Mm -hmm. uh, after being there, after seeing the, what they do, how they live their lives, um, having experience who they actually are in front of the camera, but more importantly, behind the camera, right. I can tell you with utmost certainty, they are um, not guilty of these alleged charges, but we'll see. Um, the, um, this is basically, how I would put it, a step in the right direction for their innocence, uh, and it's great news for the Tates and for friends of the Tates and the Tate camp. Um, you know, MLK has said, the moral arc of the universe is long, okay? But it bends towards justice. So they've been dealing with this thing for months and months and months and months. Uh, it might take more months. Uh, it may take another year or so, but I believe firmly uh, that they will be acquitted of all charges because I just do not think this, this adds up. By the way, we have a picture. Uh, we're going to sort of recapping some of our experiences in the last week, but also in the last month when we did the Tate interview. Here's a picture of, um, of us with the Tates right after we did the interview. It was awesome. Great experience. PBD, Tate, um, Andrew Tate, Tristan Tate, nice. and little old Saws out there. Uh, it was great. It was right after we did the interview. Uh, we were treated royally. Uh, unreasonable hospitality to a major extent. Um, and they have advocates that the mainstream media will not advocate. Tucker uh, was one of the few people that actually interviewed them that has been advocating for them, as well as Candace Owens, as well as our friend Jay Waller, who was just on the show yeah. recently. I believe we have a picture of him right after the show. This good-looking 6'4 gingerbread stud was out here. Um, we have that picture, Malik? Yeah, there's Jay Waller doing his thing. He's been one of the few people um, who has a major name that has been basically singing their praises, singing their praises on uh, what they do over there in their network, which was formerly known as Hussars University, which is now the real world, which also, um, uh, what's the, the, the group that they all do? The, help me out in the chat here, guys. Is it War Room? The War Room. Thank you, Malik. Shine, shine a light on Malik right there. The War Room right there. There's a lot on my mind right now, but respect to them. But uh, long story short, I think those guys are absolute studs, and we will see their uh, acquittal in no time. Here's a clip actually from Tate, what he had to say when a Romanian journalist went out to visit him right outside his compound, just to put an exclamation mark on what he's got going on. Go ahead. When I was thrown into jail cell, the media reported and told the world that I was a terrible person. They said that I hurt people and I make a lot of money from criminal enterprise. And here we stand seven or eight months later and I've not seen a single victim on the news. I don't know if you have. I've seen lots of girls sticking up for me, lots of people defending me. I've not seen a single person stand up and say that I have hurt them. Not one. 
it's very exhausting to continue to perpetuate lies. It's very hard to keep lies afloat when you have no actual evidence. We've been completely innocent since the beginning of this, and I have to give absolute faith to the Romanian judicial system for finally making the right decision and letting us free. I'm sure in the end we'll be absolutely exonerated, and everybody who was pushing these lies and reporting things on repeat without any substantial evidence are going to have to analyze within themselves why they decide to try and destroy people's lives purely for views. I've done nothing wrong. God knows I've done nothing wrong in my heart. I know I've done nothing wrong. I think the people at home who with a functioning brain understand we've done nothing wrong because nobody has yet to identify a single victim which is done, which is saying that we've done anything to them since the beginning of this entire process. In January, when I was thrown in a jail cell, the media report. Okay. Keep playing that clip that I hurt people and I make a lot of money from criminal enterprise and here we stand seven or eight months later and I've not seen a single victim on the news. I don't know if you have. I've seen lots of girls sticking up for me, lots of people defending me. I've not seen okay, a single cool. person stand up and Thank say that you. I have. So, uh, I mentioned it previously, there's no there there. They've been, it's almost like they charged him, they uh, accused him of all these things, but they're scrambling to look for people to basically say, yes, I'm a victim, they found no one, and as Tate said, it's hard to keep the lies afloat when you have no evidence. So I believe that they will be acquitted. By the way, we're going to do a poll in the chat. Mm -hmm. Do you think the Tates are innocent? So put innocent, matrix attacked, or guilty of charges. Put that over there. Um, our audience, I would assume, knows better and knows that this is a complete matrix attack. So we'll talk on that. And we'll actually reference some of the, the alleged stories with Nick Fuentes, mm -hmm. how it would correlate him with, with Tate as well. So... Um, long story short, you know, when you see the, him saying like this, I know a lot of women, mm -hmm. um, I don't know a lot of men that give me pushback to like, yo, dude, what's Tate like? It's sick. It's mm -hmm. awesome. But a lot of women will be like, so you're friends with him. How could you do this? Would you do that? And I'll say, what has he said mm -hmm. that offends you? And a lot of them will be like, well, he says that women can't drive or that the, you know, the husband will, will take property of the wife and, and cite sort of. Um, biblical lines um, that he's referenced before. We know that he's a religious man. He was a Christian yeah. that has converted to Islam. From the eyes of a woman, why do you think women have such a hard time digesting what Tate has said and even what he's saying now? Um, I think it just comes from a place where that whole feminist organization just kind of, you know, Tate is getting in the way of that whole feminist movement. Mm -hmm. And so women who like the idea of women being in charge and being the one making those final big decisions, it affects what they're trying to do. So just by default, you know, you hear women, they react to the shortest clip that they see of him, and, and that's just their persona and their mm -hmm. view on someone like this. But can I tell you, like, seeing the clip of him... Uh, after you know they release him from house arrest, I think it's it's exciting because now it's like we're almost um, what's the word I'm like? we're almost required for an answer on why did you do this to him? Mm -hmm. Why did you cancel somebody who's now that you're deeming innocent? What were you looking for in, in the long term? And um, you know, women today, I think has even their perspective has changed to more, they're a little bit more receptive to Tate's message, especially seeing someone like him being so, you know, almost outlandish with some of the things that he's saying to taking a step back and went, hey, there's some truth to it. Hey, I see his perspective. And sometimes, you know, people 
they have to kind of be put in that public eye and they have to say these bold things for sometimes a message to get across. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of the time today, I'm seeing actually a lot of women, at least on my feed, they're agreeing with Tate and his perspective. And I love to see it because it's kind of like, you know, you have somebody who is for women, but he's also explaining what men want from women. And a lot of the time, you know, we, we talk all the time, a lot of m women don't know what men want. So the best way to get that information is to get it from a man. Yep. Um, so, you know, to see someone like Tay kind of go through this this journey and it's sad to see, um, but as much as it was awful, I think it really showed the world a side of Tate that needed to be shown. Mm -hmm. um, this also was very interesting to see, and I think what's gonna be interesting to see moving forward is how his perspective has changed from before, you know, when Tate was on his come up, to Tate going to jail, to Tate out of jail, to interviews with different people, people who are looking for things out of him. Um, so it's very interesting. Um, I'm excited to see like that version of Tate. You know, he even brought up with Candace Owens in that interview about marriage. You know, so you have somebody who went viral on some of the things that he said about marriage. Um, now he's kind of changing his perspective based on the things that he went through. So I'm excited to see this version of Tate. You know, I think it's uh, needed in the world. And I think a lot of women needed that message. Can I tell you, as much as women got irritated and they may hate this guy and whatever opinion, I think women, you needed the message and you need to get it across. And, you know, I think it will help you find the man you're looking for and also kind of humble yourself, right? Maybe you're, we're thinking about making certain decisions and after hearing certain feedback from these individual type of men, um, that will help you reconsider some of the decisions you make and sometimes you need that before you make a decision, mm -hmm. so. Sometimes women need to hear the cold, cold hard truth. Yes. Uh, sometimes that's tough to digest, it's not palatable but he does speak a lot of facts. Yeah. And as for you men out there, don't be ashamed to be a man. Mm -hmm. Don't be ashamed to have standards. Don't be ashamed to have boundaries. Uh, Tate is all about that message. And um, you might not be a four-time kickboxing champion, multimillionaire, Bugatti driving, ass kicking top G, but be a man and work on yourself and improve and work out, get your money right, get your game right, get your personality right. Be a good person, be a good citizen, uh, deliver value to your work, to deliver value to society, and only good things will come. Don't believe the feminine message mm -hmm. of just basically toxic masculinity and men mm -hmm. need to be more sensitive and more emotional. That's a component of being present with your woman, but it, it is not the overlying message that men should be striving for. You should strive to be a rational, stoic, strong man to protect your woman, not the other side of the equation of the spectrum, which is the weak, feminine, Dylan Vil Mulvaney-esque, trans, there's no difference between a man and a woman component narrative that's been pushed out there. Yeah. You're a man, be a man, um, and good things will happen if you do good things. Last point, uh, you brought about the women. Any woman I've said, I've asked, even whether they agree with them or disagree with them, I'll say, do you believe innocent until proven guilty? Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't like his message, but yes, innocent until proven guilty. They have not been guilty of anything. I know that the, um, the court of public opinion, especially those on the far left side of things or the feminist side of things, on the weak uh, men side of things, want him to be guilty, mm -hmm. but just because you want that doesn't mean it's true. Mm -hmm. Innocent until proven guilty. And the last thing that I ch texted Tristan and uh, Andrea was like, they know you're innocent mm -hmm. and your comeback is going to be
insane. Epic. Yes. They threw back a fist pump and a heart. Let's keep it moving. So and respect to those guys. And let's just say, um, yes, he's a Bugatti lover, but I think he just bought a McLaren. I'm a McLaren lover. I love McLaren. Okay, so I think nice. he just bought a McLaren. And shout out to you. You're love showing that. your... Uh, <laughs> Your sugar Sports daddy cars. tendencies right there. No, anyway, no, no. Anyway, respect to those guys I think right McLarens there. are a nice car. That's a very sporty, sexy car, okay. in my opinion. Well, speaking of sort of the feminization of men <laughs> and just basically not having um, boundaries and not having standards, they've been trying to force feed uh, for years that big is beautiful oh. and that um you lying women come in all <laughs> shapes and sizes which i get you know i love tall short tan blonde thick skinny love them all <laughs> i get it but there is a symbol of beauty that has traditionally been known the victoria's secret catalog type things mm -hmm. we've seen them change their models and their narrative and they've been trying to force feed us for years that lizzo is beautiful Okay, that Lizzo is a definition of beauty because big girls need loving too. I get it. But beautiful. let's stop pretending that she is the uh, standard of beauty for women. I and as so. ironically as enough as you would have it, Lizzo is now in the news for allegedly fat shaming some of her backup dancers. That's and why do I bring this up right after that we just discussed about Tate and masculinity and having standards is because now there's a sort of war of words on the interweb between Tristan Tate and Lizzo's camp, mm. or the people defending Lizzo. So that's sort of the, the, the marriage of this story right here. Pull up the story, if you can, um, of, of Lizzo. So she's accused of sexual harassment and fat shaming. These are dancers of hers, Ariana Davis, Krista Williams, and Noel Rodriguez. You wouldn't know these people. But let's scroll down and read this story and punch in if you can. Shame. So basically, here's the deal. Um, here, I can't even read that, so just okay. I'll get this. Lizzo and her production company, Big Girl, Big Touring, BGBT, are facing lawsuits after former dancers are alleging sexual harassment, racial discrimination, mm. and of all things, Lizzo fat shaming, Jesus ironically God. enough. So dancer Ariana Davis, one of her dancers, alleging that Lizzo and dance choreographer Tanisha Scott questioned the dancer if she was quote-unquote struggling with something as she seemed less committed to her role on the dance cast. All right, not the sauce cast, the, the dance, dance cast, cast right there. The case details in professional dance, a, weight, a dancer's weight gain is often seen as that that dancer is getting lazy or a worse off as a performer. Lizzo and Mrs. Scott questions about Mrs. Davis' commitment to the tour were thinly veiled concerns about Mrs. Davis's weight gain. So though they never explicitly stated, the question gave Mrs. Davis the impression that she needed to explain her weight gain and disclose the intimate personal details about her life in order to keep her job. This is hypocrisy 101, ladies and gentlemen. Shame so here you me. have backup dancers. I don't know these dancers. Frankly, I don't even care about these dancers, nor should you guys care about these dancers. What you should care about is the hypocrisy. For years, they've been force-feeding men. How could you say that Lizzo's not beautiful? How could you say that she's not the definition of a woman? How can you say that she's not beauty, uh, manifested and that men should not fat shame her and we're all like she's fat. uh she's extremely overweight yes. uh clinically obese <laughs> and we're just not into it now Yikes. is she talented is she a great singer is she a great sure. performer sure if you're into that music no doubt but the pushing of the beauty narrative 
is far-fetched and guys aren't buying that, right? So read between the lines here. So here's what Tristan Tate actually had to say. So let's put up that article about Tristan. So I want to kind of circle back to mm. a man having standards, a man having boundaries, and a man basically understanding where hypocrisy comes in. Tristan Tate fires shots at Lizzo amid sexual harassment scandal, claims his victims vouch for his innocence, and trolls label uh, him irrelevant. I don't know about that. So after hearing the news, here's the tweet, if we can scroll down. Um, Tristan Tate took to Twitter, which is now known as X, and fired shots at Lizzo. So you got that tweet, Malik? Yep. Yeah. Okay. When word gets out that Lizzo is a horrible person, the people she abused are talking. There's actual names, faces, video testimonial, and details, none of which occurred with the Tate situation. Now, uh, I don't know if she's standing trial for anything or if these are alleged um, discrepancies and what's what's going on, but the truth will come out. Sounds about right. Tristan, where are my victims? Oh, right, they're saying I'm innocent. So the victims are saying that he's innocent, uh, but they don't share those people. They don't talk about that. Fake chat logs, though. So, um, Lizzo, do you find Lizzo to be beautiful? Um, I think it depends how you define beauty. Um, sure, she if can be. If someone said you looked like Lizzo, what would I you would say? I would be insulted. Why would you be insulted? Because if you're comparing me in all aspects of mm. that's who you who I remind you of, I'm offended because yeah. she's not in the right yeah. health state. Nat, you kind of look like Lizzo. No, I, I don't look like Lizzo. What do you mean? She's beautiful. I mean, sure, she may be a little on the browner side, the dark hair, absolutely. I can't sing, so I would even say, like, voice-wise. Yeah, but you voice look like wise, Lizzo, Nat. No, I don't look like Lizzo. Why? I don't, She's beautiful. Don't, don't insult me like that. Why would I'm not, I'm just keep like paying that. you a compliment. No, it's not a compliment. She's the definition of beauty. How could you say that? She's not the definition Tristan of beauty. Tate, he Shame know what he's on her. Shame on her. This Tristan is Tate a, doesn't this know what he's talking about. No, this just shows you that... Uh, what do they say? People, when you get money, it just shows the person who you are, right? So, like, you have this lady. Everyone thinks, oh, she's this example. She's beautiful. She's kind. She's for all the girls. And you see this story come out. And it's like you have somebody fat shaming other fat people when you hired fat people to be a part of your camp and your team and to dance around and to glorify people being obese and fat, and you're fat, right? And then it's like you're promoting people to not take care of their health and you're defining that as beautiful. It's a sin, it's awful, it's, it's shameful. And it's like, you know, it's almost like women are gaining weight, oh, it's okay, you know, like, you can still be successful and live a dream life and be obese. Sure, but that doesn't mean your health is okay. Like, you, you see someone like this, and if you want me to be honest, I just never got on the Lizzo bandwagon because just even physically, she's not somebody that I would even admire and want to look at. So I struggle with wanting to hear her perspective and the thing that she vouches for because with how it looks like she takes care of herself, it doesn't match with how I take care of myself. So I wouldn't look at her as an example. I wouldn't want to be compared to her. Now, does that mean she's not talented? Does that mean that she's hideous? No, it doesn't mean that. I just wouldn't relate to somebody like that, even just by a physical like perspective, in my opinion. And it's a shame. I don't think... Well, Nat, let me tell you something. Pisses me off, You're honestly. beautiful. Thank and you. you remind me of Lizzo. No. And I'm that's good. a compliment. Shame on you. To the highest extent. I'm gonna get up and leave. All right. Don't what do you mean? She's a beautiful girl. How would you uh, I don't like you fat shaming Lizzo. Well, she's fat, so oh. there's no need to shame because right. it's a fact. Malik. Sorry. You know. <laughs> you're a smart man. Lizzo, beautiful girl. What do you think? 
I mean, beauty's in the eye to behold her. She can feel yeah. beautiful, but I mean, you're good with a 450 lady in your life. I I don't mess with nothing I can't bench. That's my number one rule. You're strong as shit, though. You can pick up 500. Not that much. You're not really <laughs> to walk into a club and and be like, hey girl, how you doing? You coming with me tonight? Uh, no. I mean, you don't I'm, think she's the definition of beauty? But even you're being, just fat shaming women, Malik. How dare you? I mean, I just how like, dare you? I just like get what with I like. the narrative, Malik. I, I, it's not wrong get for with, me liking what I get like. With, so like, if I, I like. If How I, I like feel when she's beautiful. fat women, then I should be be able to like have that opinion freely. Okay. Like it's always like, oh yeah, I don't like this, and you're wrong for not liking it. Like you can't tell me. Yeah. But I even being that like. big is not even feminine. Like in my opinion, being that big is not feminine at all. How do you want a man to look at you like, oh, I want to take care of you. You know, you're gentle, you're kind, you're soft, you're, you know, like coming from that feminine perspective and you're twice the man's size. Mm -hmm. Like how does a man treat you gentle and, and stuff like that when you are devouring space, you know? Devouring like <laughs> space. Way to go now. I'm sorry. So it's just Obviously, I'm being a little sarcastic here, but here's my biggest problem. It's threefold. Number one, the media. The media has been pushing this narrative. She's beautiful, don't say otherwise. She's beautiful, don't say otherwise. Okay, then the feminist movement will basically say, how dare you? Any women can be like this. But when you basically say, well, what do you mean? You look just like Lizzo. They'll be like, oh, now what are you talking about right now? Yeah. So it's sort of counterintuitive. Um, and it's, um, and it's, it, it, it messes women's head up a little bit. But then the last thing that's the hypocrisy, uh, and this is what I want the message to the men be out there is, for what she has been upset with men about, okay, toxic masculinity-based saying she's not beautiful, in a complete ironic fashion, she is fat shaming her backup dancers that are 200 pounds less what than is her. That? So that which is, one is it? That is awful. I don't get it. So there's a, actually, you know the comedian Bert Kreischer? He does Two Bears, One Cave. He, ironically enough, I don't know if you can pu push this in, Bert, B-E-R-T, Kreischer with a K. He basically did a fake male photo shoot basically saying, no, I'm beautiful too. This is the definition of masculinity. If you can hit those images, we'll show that. But basically men who are overweight, fat, obese, eating McDonald's every weekend, they're not put on a pedestal as men. See, two bears, one cave. But can you see the like photo shoot? I've seen them. Okay, there's a, sh a shirtless if you can. Okay. But basically all the women are like, disgusting, put your shirt back on. It's like, He's probably 100 pounds less than Lizzo. Yeah. So which one is it? So I get it. Nobody wants to be fat shamed. Mm -hmm. I get it. But don't be fat promoting. Yeah. Right? Don't be fat advocating. Don't be bas basically making us believe that this narrative is actually real. Because men understand what beauty is. Now, there might be some outliers. These skinny random dudes are love fat girls. Sure. But for the most part, us men, we have standards. And there's nothing wrong with men having standards. But you know, when you, see when you see companies like Victoria's Secret completely shift away from what traditionally has been the uh, crux of beauty and the manifestation of beauty, the actual angels, and they start to put in the Lizzo's of the world, guys are like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Something's up here right now. So, you know, famously it's been said, facts don't care about your feelings. Mm -hmm. Fact is, you're obese. Fact is, no man finds that to be beautiful, and uh, she's unhealthy, but and she's and, they're, and the media and corporations are tr basically um, through DEI and wokeness and ESG trying to make her a sex symbol, and it's not happening. But this just exposed herself. She just exposed that she doesn't even like fat people. 
because she's shaming other bad people. So it's like, you also have to be mindful of who you're receiving messages from because this story just shows you that mm -hmm. she's not for the camp that she promotes and she's there to bring them, to embarrass them and make them feel how she maybe was felt when she was younger. And I feel kind of bad because to me, it looks like she's going through maybe something internally and she's getting now exposed with the behavior that has come from it. So, you know, I wish you the best. I hope your health gets better, Lizzo. Um, you're talented. I think you can make a great impact, but I don't think this is the route that you need to go for it. Shame. All right. Sorry. Well, you look beautiful and you look just like Lizzo, yeah. so keep up the good work. <laughs> yeah, you better bite your tongue on that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, did, did you get a poll on the uh, Andrew Tate situation, by the way? Yeah. Let's see what the, our audience has to say about Andrew Tate's innocence. Oh, yeah. So 80% said uh, yes. 80%? Can we see the poll? 80% said yes, and 20% said no. Interesting. I thought it'd be higher. Only 742 votes right now. Let's see oh. where that is by the end of the show. Can we do a running tab on that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's do another poll. Um, Joe Rogan. Let's mm. do a poll on Rogan. Rogan. Is, Ro is Rogan the goat of podcasts? Yes or no? Let's do a poll right there. What's tab. your answer to the poll? Well, obviously, I think the answer is pretty uh, self-evident and obvious. Um, We'll talk about Rogan in a second. So number one, 93 countries. Um, we'll do that in a second. So thank you for sharing that. Anyway, um, let's get in. So that was the Tate situation and the Lizzo situation. But let's get into the wild week that we've had here at Valuetainment on the PBD podcast and the Sauzcast, everything that's been going on. But it started with us being invited with PBD mm -hmm. to go to JRE, the Joe Rogan experience and an experience it was my friends nice. so um, you know they say your network is your net worth yes. and you are the some of the five people that you hang out with the most well I'm glad that I roll with PBD yeah because he's like hey let's go get on the plane get on the jet we're going to Rogan baby awesome sick let's do it so he invited Vinny and myself to come join him in the studio uh, with Rogan here's the crew of us Aww. getting on the plane that's our HR guy, our editor-in-chief, our director of marketing. Uh, Mario's back there, uh, head of sales. Obviously, Vinny, who runs the comedy department. Myself, who runs this show with yeah. Nat on the Sauzcast and co-host of the PBD podcast. And there's PBD right there, Woo. suited and booted and ready to go. Here's a little funny story. So on the way to the plane, um, the captain is basically saying, all right, you know, we're at a full flight, we're at capacity, blah, blah. It's an eight-person plane. There's eight of you. All right, you know, we got to shift some weight around that whole thing. <laughs> and Pat goes, hold on, I got some gifts that I'm bringing Joe. Oh. They're like, all right, cool, gift, gift, gift. And one of the gifts was huge, humongous painting, which we'll, we'll show in a second. Yeah. Humongous piece of art. And we're like struggling to get the art in the plane. The captain's giving his little spiel. Yeah. The crew's giving the, hey, I don't know if this is going to fit. PBD's like, we're making it fit, buddy. <laughs> Okay, this is, a, this is a, a not-so-subtle announcement. This is a freaking gift for the number one podcast in the world, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan Experience. Aww. This is coming with us. <laughs> so after much uh, shifting of uh, objects, we got the, um, the big painting uh, piece of art on the plane. But there's a story to that throughout the episode. So mm -hmm. we go um, on the plane. There's the crew that you just saw on the plane. And uh, we're on the jet. We did the gift thing, we got it on the jet, and we land in Austin. You're gonna sense a theme here in this story, guys. 
A lot of meat. Oh. A lot of steak. A lot of beef. We land. Boom. Let's go steak for lunch. All right, cool. We go to the Capitol Grill. Amazing restaurant. Uh, Matt Zapala, the money smart guy who was here on the show recently. He was there with Tigran. He met us there with the biz doc. There was our crew. Ten-person lunch. Steak dinner. Uh, steak lunch. Mm -hmm. And there. Boom. First piece of steak. All right, cool. We're ready for Rogan. We get to Rogan's set, which, ironically enough, is in an obscure, like, office complex, oh. uh, almost looks like a strip mall situation, you would never know. Mm. It's like any sort of strip mall you would drive by. It's not some big palatial event space. It's not like what we have here at Valuetainment that yeah. says Valuetainment Studios all across. It's basically low-key, obscure, you would never know. Mm. Black curtains, curtains open up, and three security guards meet us. Hello, welcome to Joe Rogan Experience. Thank you, glad to be here. These guys are just, talk about top G, yeah. these guys don't play. Ex-military guys, uh, serious guys, but also very friendly. It's how they can sort of manage that friendly situation Gentle. as well as um, um, being serious. So um, security guards greet us, they have us have a seat, they show us around, sick artwork, sick sculptures, uh, real life like Beowulf, werewolf situations, like. 10 foot long, ridiculous. Rogan Studios, amazing. And out comes Joe Rogan. He's like, hey guys, how we all doing? Hey Joe, good to see you buddy. All right, like not excited, but not like down, just very like. Stoic? Stoic, if you will. Stoic. Just, this is what I do. Welcome to my experience. We're all like, and we're kind of like, yo, fucking Joe Rogan, what's up baby, how you doing? <laughs> keep, keep it cool, baby. Keep it cool, keep it cool. <laughs> Um, so he gives us a little tour, and he shows us around his compound. We talked about the Tates having a compound. Yeah. This was massive, okay? Humongous. So he, he walks us through the, basically, let's say, like, the living room portion of Joe Rogan, which is huge, as mm. big as this, yeah. right? Um, humongous. And we're thinking, all right, cool, how much bigger could it get? Pfft, got a lot bigger. So he walks us in, like, a little corridor right there, shows us the gym. Probably the biggest open space gym I've ever seen. Huge American flag right in the middle. America. Love America. Huge. Vinny like, was like, oh, this is cool. Stepped on the, uh, the MMA mat. Joe Rogan was like, get off the mat. Vinny's like, my bad. All right, cool. Like, that was the only time I saw Rogan lose his cool. Do not step with your shoes on the MMA mat. Vinny mm -hmm. learned the hard way. Threw him over his shoulder. Grappled him. No, that didn't happen. But... It almost got to that point. I bet. Vinny almost learned the hard way. So he gives us the tour. We see the gym. It's amazing. Then we go to his recovery room, which is like this ice bath, salt bath, like thing you float on. Mm. Basically saying this is where I cover. Joe is yoked up. Okay? Like, I don't know. Joe's maybe like 5'7". Muscle. Like lean. His head is big. His arms are big. Mm. Body's big. Homie's working out. Oh, yeah. there's Joe Rogan right there. We can punch in right there. Homie is like, he's Cut. like how a running back is built. Mm. Short and stout and muscular as hell and muscles on muscles. Dude's a beast. Yeah. Okay? Uh, not messing with Rogan. So uh, he continues to give us a tour and he gives us a tour of his shooting range. Huge long haul shooting range, bow and arrow. This is all one place. All big one place. Wow. Huge corridor. Amazing. He's giving myself, obviously, PBD and Vinny the tour. Sam was there as well. Shout out to Sam. 
And uh, Rogan's just giving us a tour, no security guard, just the four of us going on a little tour of his complete compound. We're, you know, we're, we're seeing, all right, how's your shot, Joe? He's like, yeah, I'll, it was like a buck at the end, like a, not a real life oh. deer buck, but maybe 50 yards that away. He's like, yeah, I'll, one shot, one shot wonder, hit that out there. He's like, you wanna give it a shot? I'm like, nah, this, uh, I'm gonna stay in my lane, I'm gonna shoot hoops. Yeah. So it was awesome. Then he took us to basically the pool hall where, uh, this is the funny part, this is why Wait. I wanted to bring up all the pictures and the gifts that, yeah. that, that, that PBD was bringing. Gifts, pictures galore, some haven't even been hung up yet. So we make the joke, I'm like, Pat, glad you brought more than one gift, because if it was just a picture, it might just join the, the rest <laughs> that haven't been hung up yet. Yeah. But obviously people respect Joe, uh, he's the go-to podcasting, we all know that. People come bearing gifts, and there's so many gifts that um, have given him that he hasn't even put it up yet. Wow. The, ironically enough, the first um, picture when you walk in was sick picture of Anthony Bourdain, of all people. Mm. And it was like a real life face sculpture of Anthony Bourdain, who uh, famously was the guy that basically toured the world, seeing the world, um, experiencing everything, had some of the, probably the coolest job in the world, was dealing with depression, drug addiction, and um, had an ill-fated ending to his life, but we actually talked about Anthony Bourdain for a little bit. Um, Renaissance man is how I would talk about him. Mm -hmm. So then uh, we made a joke about, um, you know, thank God we got more than pictures, which we'll discuss in a second, uh, and then it was time to start the show. So PBD, uh, Joe, they walk into the studio, they give us a tour of the actual studio that we've all seen a million different times, on the Joe Rogan podcast, Jamie was in there, cool, closed the door, and we sat right outside of the studio, bidding myself, the three, three security guards, and watched the show in real time, mm -hmm. which came out probably 48 hours later. If you haven't seen the PBD episode with Joe Rogan, it's sick. I think it was a three-hour podcast, millions of views already, awesome time, awesome experience, um, and we just sat there watching the episode. They covered everything from politics to masculinity, femininity, um, everything that's going on with uh, ESG and DEI and woke go broke. They talked about that. And uh, one of the, the, the biggest things that I remember was the, the bet that, uh, well, not the bet, the, the encouragement for Rogan to have Trump oh, yeah. on the Joe Rogan experience, which was um, a very interesting conversation if you haven't seen that right now. PBD sort of gave his pitch as to why Joe would, should consider uh, having Trump on the Rogan podcast. Let's put a poll up right now. Mm. Do you want to see Donald Trump on Rogan? Or do you think Rogan will have Trump as a guest? PBD gave his pitch. He basically said, imagine if, you know, uh, Holyfield never fit, uh, fought Tyson, if Muhammad Ali never fought uh, George Foreman, Liston Frazier, all the goats, imagine if they never fought. So we never got to see Kobe play Michael. Ah, we missed that. We never, we never saw Tom Brady versus Mahomes. Actually, we did see that, and Brady won. Goat versus goat. It was amazing. Um, but then, um, the coup de grace of the entire Rogan episode uh, was PBD gave him the gifts at the end. Oh. So, uh, I told a story about how we struggled to get the painting in there, and we, all, we wanted to get all the gifts and the weight and everything like that, because these gifts are pretty big. Um, but it was pretty interesting because I'm sitting out there with the security guards are like, he get gifts all the time. Like, mm -hmm. it's going to be very hard to impress Joe with gifts. Yeah. But if you know anything about PBD, he puts a lot of pride and effort into giving uh, 
his guests or people that invite him on podcasts really memorable gifts. Right. He goes all out. Like what he, the gifts he got, Tate, Quran, Bible, something that was very meaningful to him. He went all out for that. So I believe we have a clip of PBZ, PBD presenting oh. the gifts uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast. So let's play that clip real quick. 1.5. Sound. You have sound? Okay. Signed by Gerald Ford. Okay, the letter to the right is the Warren Commission. Then he had the autograph of Jack Ruby. Then he got the autograph of Lee Harvey Oswald. And he got the autograph of John F. Kennedy. Wow. Okay. So I hope you like this. I With the letter, COA, yeah. all of it. Okay. And then the last one, I'm convinced. <laughs> so pause it for a second. That so that was the big gift yeah. painting that we struggled to get in the plane. Mm. Uh, there were several other gifts that he gave him before that. There was a Jimi Hendrix pen, because he's a big Jimi Hendrix fan. There was a signed letter by the first, quote unquote, anti-establishment president, Andrew Jackson, mm. uh, who Trump sort of mirrored himself after. There was this, this painting right here was basically the main people uh, affiliated with the JFK assassination. Okay, wow. so there was Jack Ruby, Gerald Ford from the Warren Commission he talked about. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald hit all their signatures, and then if you can if you can go back to the image, a signature from JFK himself. Yeah. So this impressed uh, Rogan, and it certainly in impressed his people. So as PBD's giving the gifts, the uh, Jimi Hendrix pen, mm -hmm. the Andrew Jackson gift, uh, the guys are kind of like, yeah, you know, we've seen gifts like this before. It's cool, yeah. but not the coolest thing, or whatever. All of a sudden, they show this thing. All of a sudden, the guys are like, oh, that was pretty cool, bro. Ah. That was pretty cool. So the security guards who have basically been with Rogan for years, right. uh, his crew are like, that's a pretty sick gift, man. So I'm reading the room like, all right, we did good. Thank yeah. God we brought that. But at the same time, we just saw dozens of paintings and pieces of art that weren't put up on the wall. Yeah. So we're like, all right, you know, maybe <laughs> if this was the coup de grace, the main gift, it might not even make the wall. So we're kind of having that joke. Uh, internally, but then he gave him the last gift, oh. and this was something that again, PBD um, thinks very hard and very thoughtful of the gifts that he's giving. And this was the gift that he got Rogan. That actually, I think Rogan was starstruck about. He's like, "Holy shit! I can't believe you got me this!" Oh. And even the security guards were like, "Yo, he loved <laughs> that gift." So it was pretty interesting. Nice. So PBD came bearing gifts. Some of which were like, all right, cool, cool gift. I get gifts all the time. But here's the gift that basically uh, got Rogan a little uh, out of his seat a little bit. Let's play the rest of that clip. <gasps> wow. Lenny Bruce used. Okay. Wow. So uh, that's going. Rogan's, that's going to be pause that for a sec. Rogan's favorite comedian of all time wow. is the legendary Lenny Bruce, who's a cutting edge comedian in the 50s. If you've ever seen the show, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, mm -hmm. um, which I think is streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, he's a character in that movie. So before there was Dave Chappelle, before there was Eddie Murphy, before there was uh, Richard Pryor, before there was George Carlin, before there was um, some of the biggest comedians that we all know about, there was Lenny Bruce. Mm. And that was his guy. So PBD, I think, explains he contacted... Lenny Bruce's daughter and basically worked out a deal to get his microphone, his mic that he would travel with uh, as a gift for Joe Rogan. Play the end of that clip if you don't mind. Wow. 
Now, if you don't want to do it that way, you want to put the stand, we got the stand there as well. Oh, no, come on, man. That's if perfect. you put the frame, you got the frame. Yeah, we need the frame. That's amazing. So, wow. you know, for me, when I was, you know, we were wanting to come down sooner, that was the missing piece. That's the one I wanted to get for you. Wow. And uh, I said, let's wait till we get that and then we'll come and present it to him. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. I know for a guy like you, Joe, it takes, you know, when people give me gifts, it's kind of hard to get a gift for somebody that they're going to have a reaction to because you can buy all this stuff yourself. But the hard thing is finding it. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So, by the way, there's letters, handwritten letters by him, uh, how he took notes to prepare with his jokes. We got all that stuff in the back as well. Wow. Sam will give it to you later on. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. So thoughtful. brother. So. It's the most shit anybody's ever given me. Really? There you go. <laughs> it's yeah. Christmas. I, I got that for you. By the way, my, my book is coming out in December. I mean, you can't buy the book right now. My book comes out December 5th. But they sent me the first copy of the book. It's titled Choose Your Enemies Wisely. And it's not an easy thing to choose your enemies wisely. Most people choose the wrong enemies. Oh. Portfolio sent us the first copy of Choose Your Enemies Wisely. Mm. And my first copy they gave to me, I'm giving it to you, brother. Thank you. Again, people can't buy it till December 5th. Uh, <sighs> but uh, these are gifts from us to you. Uh, you're a very important guy. Uh, you're, you're a super likable guy. And I'm talking to your guys. And I said, So how's it feel working here, man? He says, Man. Joe's the coolest guy to work for. We love Joe. Everybody loves you. You know, for what you've been able to do the last few years, um, I got a lot of respect for you. Uh, there's a level of admiration for you. There's true love for you. There's true protection for you. I have a natural uh, uh, tendency of protecting people that um, I think are needed to be protected. You don't need any protection when it comes up to a street fight. I can't protect you in a street fight, bro. That's you. You know how to fight and take care of yourself. But I think there's got to be people that fight in different ways. Their weapon is a different weapon. My weapon is words. And my weapon is the way I process issues. You got a guy here that um, is going to be fighting for you for a long time, bro. Well, thank so, you. I feel yeah. the same way about you. I have a lot of respect and love I for you as well. You. Yeah. I think you're a very important voice out there. And I think, you know, what you do is very admirable. And you don't have to do it. Like you, this is not how you made your money. This is just something that you decided to pursue because you have interest in it and because you think it's important. And I, I admire that a lot. I appreciate that. Well, thanks for coming on, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime. It was great. We'll do it again. We'll do it again when it comes out. All good. Sounds good. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. So it was an awesome experience. Yeah. Afterwards, they came out of the podcast. We had the chance to speak for probably 20 minutes. What was your favorite part? What was mm -hmm. this? What was that? What was that? We took pictures. We all hung out. Um, had some coffee, had, uh, had a little snack, and I said, hey, Joe, because uh, this is my first time full-on hanging out with Joe yeah. in years. Now, you might say, well, what do you mean, in years? Yeah. I said, Joe, uh, he goes, so what's your deal? I go, you know, I was a former nightlife guy, former comedian. I got into finance. Uh, now I'm doing the podcasting thing. Sort of a, you know, renaissance man in that regard. I go, funny story for you. We hung out one time uh, in 2004 at the Aspen Comedy Festival. He goes, 2004 at the Aspen Comedy Festival. I go, do you remember being there? He goes, yeah, I do. I go, in even more ironic fashion, you and I went on a double date. What? He's like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? So I reminded him that I met this girl out there in Aspen, and she's like, hey, let's go hang out. I'm gonna hang out with a girlfriend of mine. She knows a guy. We're all gonna go out. I was like, all right, cool. So I go meet up with my girl, she brings her girl, and she brings, as her date, friend, whatever, Joe Rogan. <laughs> what? I'm like, and this is Fear Factor Joe Rogan. Yeah. This is not Joe Rogan, like this is Joe Rogan, like how you knew him before, not yeah. this current Joe Rogan. And he's like, hold on, what was it? Dude, I do not remember this girl's name. He's like, I was like, yeah, you were rocking like a hat. Oh, the hat! I used to wear that hat everywhere. Yes. On my little like Kangol hat, he goes, and then he remembered the name of the girl. He's like, yeah, I do remember that. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, like, wow. good seeing you 20 years later, Joe. By the way, how's life worked out for you in the last 20 years? He goes, it's going pretty good, dude. Wow. So he's doing what he's loved, and I remember that, but it was, it was interesting. But um, just to see where Joe Rogan is at now, yeah. from the 2004 Aspen Comedy Festival when I was doing stand-up out there in Denver at the time, 
is pretty incredible. So uh, he goes, hey, listen, guys, um, tonight you're my guests at my comedy club that he just opened up in Austin. Val balcony seating, VIP, bring the whole crew. Amazing, we got seats for you. I'll come kick it with you guys before the show. Amazing, we're like, cool. So we have this Joe Rogan experience. The podcast was amazing, it went awesome. Obviously it's going viral right now. Mm -hmm. um, we're telling jokes to Aspen Comedy Festival, all good, took pictures. Awesome experience uh, at the Joe Rogan experience. So then um, PBD's like, I'm hungry, let's go eat. So we've already had a steak lunch. Mm -hmm. So now it's, I don't know, we started the podcast at like one or two. By this time it's like five or six. All right, let's go to another steak dinner. Yeah. So we go to another steak dinner. I'm like, all right, more meat. Let's do it. So we have a, uh, we just, I think we went to the Capitol Grill first. Now we're at Fleming Steakhouse, amazing steakhouse in, in Austin. We do that. Um, I'm like, all right, cool. Like another steak dinner, all yeah. good. We get, we, we, uh, we clean up a little bit. Then we go to the comedy club. And Joe Rogan gave, a, Joe Rogan gave us like the red carpet treatment our crew, we walked in like the back, the kitchen, like back door. It was almost like a Goodfellas movie where we're walking through basically behind the scenes. Uh, he takes us up uh, the back stairs, puts us in the balcony, awesome. Come spends, I don't know, 20 minutes before the show with all of us, hanging out, awesome times. We're having some drinks, we're having some food, we're just having a good time. The comedy club in Austin is sick um, and uh, there was an opener. He was, it was a very eclectic group. It was an opener. He was like a uh, Muslim comedian. Mm. Then there was um, the feature. He was like this black, cool dude, slow talking dude, mm -hmm. talking about, I don't know, me and my girl drama, that whole thing. Yeah. Then Tony Hinchcliffe came on. Oh. Who basically, he's been yeah, on the PBD podcast. Yeah. Who, uh, part of his act is like, people think I'm gay, but I'm not gay, but I actually might be gay. I yeah. don't know, <laughs> figuring it out. His, it was just, he's very controversial, hilarious guy. And then uh, the headliner at Joe Rogan's comedy club was none other than Joe Rogan himself. So he did an hour comedy. It was awesome. It was hilarious. And um, it was, uh, it's been labeled the anti-woke comedy club. It was completely mm. cutting edge, controversial, but raw and real was an awesome experience. Uh, it was, I don't know, two hour show, courtesy of Rogan. We're sitting up in the balcony, having an amazing time, awesome time, we're cracking up. And then after the show, he comes up and he's like, what are you guys up to now? We're like, I don't know. He's like, how about a late night steak dinner? Ah. We're like, holy <laughs> shit, we're meat out. So we go to his favorite steak restaurant in Austin. We shut down the restaurant. There's his crew, the comedians, our crew, Valuetainment crew, we're all sitting together, huge, big tables put together, and we are ordering everything. Steak, meat, beef, bone marrow. Like, there wasn't a vegetable in sight or wasn't a <laughs> vegan platter in sight. Yikes. I feel bad for our vegetarian friends. Huh? So we just, I think in, in a span of like 10 hours, we had our third steak meal. But when you roll with Rogan, you're eating meat. Yeah. All good. So uh, it was an amazing experience. Um, a lot of meat. My biggest takeaways was obviously beyond how cool of an experience it was, the hospitality was um, someone like Rogan has sort of seen it all. Mm -hmm. He sat down with Musk, he sat down with Zook, he sat down with all sorts of people of all walks of life, comedians, political figures, uh, 
astrophysicists, mm -hmm. commentators, all walks of life. Nothing uh, impresses him, I would say. But that's just because he's seen it all. But at the still same time, he stays very humble, very cool. Mm -hmm. But the biggest takeaway, I would say, is that even at dinner, he sat with all his comedian buddies. That's his crew. Mm. Those are his running mates. He stayed very loyal to those guys. And if you're lucky enough to be in Rogan's crew, you know, you, st you just consider yourself lucky, just like I, I consider myself lucky rolling with PBD and the VT crew. Finding your running mates in life is probably the most important thing that you can find. And it was interesting to see Rogan being very protective of his crew and very loyal to his crew. Yeah, I wanted so, to actually ask you, you know, you have, it's funny because some of your experiences that you're going through now, you're receiving a different end of these relationships that you may have even had in the past. So it's like, a question for you is like, as you're experiencing some of these people and celebrities and the experiences that you're going through, do you ever like take a step back and, and think like, whoa, like I'm in a different phase of my career where I'm at the front end of with these celebrities now, you know? You used to be in the comedian, your come up phase, and, and now you're hanging out with people like Joe Rogan, Vivek, you're having different conversations. Like, I guess my question to you is, where do you kind of, when you take a step back and see how you went from the back end to the front end, where are you kind of, like, mm -hmm. where, where are you at with that? What do you see yeah. in that perspective? Because well, now you see different. Number one, good things take time. You know, a lot of people want to kind of have that microwave hustle, get rich quick mentality. Mm -hmm. Understand that this is 20 years in the making, okay? I didn't just, you know, magically wake up one day and have all these experiences. No, I put in the work. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't want to wait or pay their dues or put in the work or they want instant success or they want to have these types of relationships happen overnight. This is a slow-moving process. I knew Pat for 10 years mm -hmm. before I joined Valuetainment. You know, it took me many years of cold calling to actually become a millionaire. Mm -hmm. So good things take time. And then at the same time, uh, having gratitude, knowing that things can be taken away from you in a second, mm -hmm. not having a big head like, you know, I'm so cool, I, you know, I'm the coolest guy. I don't know. Still a regular dude. I just happen to be hanging out with more influential, important people. Mm -hmm. But uh, don't let it get to your head. I think that's uh, the number one thing is that uh, a lot of people will let success or who you hang out with get to your head. No. Uh, I think it's important to just stay humble, stay foolish, keep grinding, knowing that especially here at Valuetainment, the future looks bright and the best, the best is yet to come. Mm -hmm. So for hanging out with the Rogans of the world or the Tates of the world or the DeSantis's of the world or the Vivek's of the world or the Alex Jones of the world, uh, this didn't happen by accident. We put in work. You know, what do we say out here? Outwork, out-strategize, out-improve, outlast. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something that we plan on doing for the next 20, 40 years. Our run rate is very long. So don't do anything to fuck it up, yes. right? So um, I'm very cautious of that. I'm very appreciative of that. And it's, um, it's just an opportunity. And I think uh, only better things will happen with the running mates we have here at Valuetainment. And, but the message for the young men out there is find your running mates that will be with you not for two years, three years, five years, for the next 20 years and mm -hmm. find success with them. And at the same time, there might be some people in your world that you like, that you're friends with, that you're doing content with, let's say, mm -hmm. and they'll sort of come at you and they'll be like, you know, I didn't like what you did here. I didn't like what you said here. Mm. 
and you know they try to make drama happen yes where i'm not really here for the drama i'm working on bigger things so uh, i mean are you kind of asking what yeah, this, no, some of this i love that that's exactly what i'm asking because at the end of the day you know during that come up phase like you didn't get to where you got to by accident mm -hmm. you know and i think you nailed it when you said like you got to humble yourself mm -hmm. sometimes people think like they're these big guys on the internet and the little guys mean nothing and it's really not that you know it's no. you humble yourself and as you meet these individuals and celebrity a-list or people you realize like they're they're normal people you know they're just putting in that extra work so i wanted to kind of get your perspective and kind of being on the different end of meeting mm -hmm. these individuals to now being on a, a well, different i don't i don't like table. some people well let me address maybe some of the stories that have been going out there on the internet with, over the last couple months with certain mm -hmm. you know influencers in the red pill space specifically yeah i don't have beef with anyone i know like you there's don't. nobody i point to but like this guy sucks and i hate him yeah okay now, do, do shows, especially live podcasts, go exactly as planned? No, yeah. that's why it's called a live podcast. People have the opportunity to say whatever they want to say. And I'm not here to defend this person or defend this person. I'm here to create an environment where you guys can defend yourself. And I'll call out men if I don't agree with them. And I'll certainly call out women if I don't agree with them. So a few months ago, we were on a podcast, no names, mm -hmm. and... Um, a certain individual got mad at me that I didn't defend him from an opinion a girl had, yeah. okay? And this person, I text them after the show because I didn't genuinely know this was coming or planned. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey dude, like what was that? What happened right there? Well, genuinely, like what happened? No response. So finally I get a response like, hey man, I'm ready to talk. And as this person is texting me, two days later I'm flying out to Romania to sit down with Tate to do the interview. Mm -hmm. So as I'm sitting there with Tate, I'm getting involved in certain red pill drama, let's say, and excuse me if that was not my focus that day, okay? So I'm like, look, man, like, I, I literally didn't respond. Probably didn't, I actually turned my phone off during the Tate interview, did not respond. And by that time, what's done is done. People said things, all good. I don't have beef with this person. They had an issue with me all good, I'm a big boy, I can take it. But I can assure you, I'm going to focus on someone like Tate and Tristan mm -hmm. being there, then whatever drama you wanna kinda of affiliate me with, best of luck with that. So the next time this happened, a week ago, mm -hmm. as we're on our way to Rogan, another colleague, friend, had an issue with how we did our podcast about a week ago. Yeah. And again, I'm not here to defend your position, I'm not here to defend a woman's position, I'm here to have a dialogue, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and this person decided to basically say, I'm never coming back on Sawscast, and I'm never, uh, you know, I don't appreciate this. Cool, bro. Respect to you. All good. I don't have beef whatsoever. But as fate would have it, mm -hmm. much like the Tate situation, when I'm with Tate, I'm dealing with, or, or not dealing with this drama, mm -hmm. this drama is happening as I'm sitting down with Joe Rogan. So forgive me if I'm not texting you back, getting involved in certain drama, while I'm sitting down with Rogan. Now, do I respect you? Do I respect your opinion? Do I respect where you feel? Of course, sure. Uh, but am I gonna prioritize that over spending time with Rogan and being present or spending time with Tate and being present? Hell no. Correct. So for the people that maybe have an issue with me, why I didn't get back to you sooner rather than later? It's because I'm trying to go here and you're trying to keep me here. And I'm not there for that. So. Uh, I'm not disrespecting anyone. I'm not saying that anyone is not worthy of my time. 
Not in the least. I've responded back to all those guys. Yeah. But they, I guess I didn't do it in a timely manner mm -hmm. that they wanted, but that's because I'm sitting down with fucking Andrew Tate and Joe Rogan, and I'm sorry, gentlemen, uh, that situation took a priority to whatever uh, drama you try to drag me into. So no disrespect. I'm cool with all these guys. I don't have beef with anyone. And if you have beef with me, that's on you. Mm -hmm. um, you just might not be invited back to Sauscast and Valuetainment again. And I can assure you that is an invite that is getting more and more exclusive. Yes. So, uh, and I commend to each you. their own. I commend you for also keeping your cool and being respectful even during times people aren't respectful to you. I think that's a certain level of maturity um, and stoicism, so I commend you for that. You know, I sometimes can get a little emotional, especially because, you know, I value what you do here and how people view you, so um, I may be a little bit mo more emotional in that sense, and I maybe not share, you know, to everybody, but I share to you, so I commend you for kind of also keeping me in check on that. That's not where we're going. That's not the destination. We're doing something way bigger. Mm -hmm. Don't focus on that. So I commend you, and I'm excited for the Sauce I am Cast the prize, ride. baby. There's yeah. always going to be people that try to get involved Keep in little, you know, little petty drama. This is where we're going. So uh, respect for that. All right, before we move on uh, to our next topic, which actually, ironically enough, has to do with a little bit Rogan situation. We did some polls. I don't know if Nat has any things that she needs to get, get on on her end. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go over what kind of polls we have, Malik, so the audience gets a sense of where we're at right now. Do you want to read it? This one. We have so, this one yeah, going. do you think Rogan will interview Trump? Yes, 66%. No, 34%. Really? Very interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this. I had a bet with Vinny no. that I didn't think it was going to happen because Rogan has said uh, several things like he was not interested in having... Trump on the podcast, uh, he didn't want to help Trump. Uh, Rogan has pretty explicitly said he's not a fan of Trump, mm -hmm. uh, didn't want to help him. I think Pat made a pretty passionate uh, advocacy <laughs> for having Trump on. We'll see if that happens. Yeah. But uh, if the security guards or his team taught me anything, they're like, Joe does what Joe wants to do, and that's how it'll go. What other polls do we have? Uh, we also had, let me see, I have this one right here. We, we had, had the, the um, is Rogan the goat of podcasts? Seventy nine okay. said yes. You have that? Um, Who did that? Pull that up on screen, Malik. I, I took a screenshot of it. I don't. I have it on my phone. Um, but we have is Rogan. Did you do the goat. poll or Malik? Malik did. Okay, can you pull it up? I can't pull it up. But I don't. I don't have access to it. Oh, you don't have access. Yeah. Got it. All right. So um, seventy nine percent said yes, he's the goat of podcasts, and twenty percent said no. Interesting. So yes. eighty twenty on there. Mm -hmm. uh, two thirds, one thirds on whether Rogan will have Trump on. What about that Tate poll? Where we stand with that? Uh, the Tate's innocent. So it lets you only run one poll at a time. Mm -hmm. So ah, you can't. Gotcha. Once, once, the, uh, once I do another poll, you can't vote on a previous poll. Yeah. Ah, well, yeah. then you should have let me know that, buddy. So can people still vote in the. In the, the uh, Tate one, no. That's it. Polls are closed? Polls are closed. Polls are closed, guys. Polls are closed. I just learned something <laughs> that we have to spread the polls out. There you go. Okay. Spread these polls. All right. Um, now. I do have some super chats. Go for Let it. me go through some super chats. Thank you. We're actually getting a lot of, like, first-timer super chats. Shout out to you. We love that for you. Uh, we've got Louis Salvateria. A sauce. Do you think Joe does not want to interview Trump due to the terms and agreements contract with Spotify? And this is his first super chat. Uh, I don't know the, uh, the Spotify of agreement, the terms agreement. I, I'm venturing to guess that is not the reason. I think it is just that Joe didn't want to help Trump. And why do I think that? Is mm -hmm. because Joe has said that. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, is the number one reason. 
Gotcha. But thank you. Awesome. Then this is um, from my last trillions, Nats Spittin' Bars. Thanks. Nats Spittin' Bars. Spittin' and he spells spittin' wrong, so shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to my people that can't spell good like Nat. <laughs> love it i love it and then let me check if we've got any more last minute super chatters okay so that's it for now for chats i'll be reading the rest of them so give us some more uh, we'll go through them thank you guys for watching stop subscribe mm. and like the video thank cool. you very much proceed well, thank sauce. you moving right along yes um you know so we're sitting there at, at the uh rogan studios joe rogan experience mm -hmm. uh pbd and and rogan i don't think discussed this on the podcast mm -hmm. uh directly uh, they did discuss big tech. They did bring up the Elon Musk, Zuck, but they did not address necessarily them fighting. But we did discuss that off camera, low key with Rogan's team. We're like, do you think this will happen? Now, why is this applicable? Because, you know, if they do fight, yeah. they might fight in an octagon. And, uh, you know, when you think of octagon, you think of UFC. Mm -hmm. And when you think of UFC, you think of Dana White. And when you think of UFC and Dana White in an octagon, you might think of a host who hosts the number one podcast in the world, Joe Rogan, but he also hosts yep. uh, the MC of UFC. Mm. So I think it's uh, sort of applicable now that we just discussed Rogan, Joe Rogan experience, and our conversations there and our experience there. Uh, behind the scenes, we're like, do you think this Elon Musk, uh, Mark Zuckerberg thing is happening? And everyone's like, ah, we'll see. We don't know. We'd love to see it. I don't know. You know opinion, opinion, opinion. So it. we'll see what happened with that. But here's an article, and obviously this is not a breaking news story, but there are some new mm -hmm. updates in terms of this. So mm -hmm. obviously Elon Musk challenged Zuck to an NMA cage, cage match a few months ago. Um, most recently, earlier this week, this is what Musk had to say about this situation. So Elon Musk says he now weighs 300 pounds, and if the Zuckerberg cage match becomes a long fight, Zuck will win on endurance. I yeah. think Zuck, I want to say, is like 5'8", 160. Uh, lean, you know, lean, yeah. smaller. I think I think Elon Musk is, I think he's six two, he's probably tall. in that two. Yeah, he's pr looking pretty good right there, Zuck. Yeah. I think I think Elon Musk is. <laughs> that's an old picture, bro. Don't put don't do that <laughs> don't to my do guy him like that. Like that. Uh, I think he's probably six two, uh, two twenty. I'm guessing. You let me know on that. Um, by the way, he says the fight is short. Yeah, all right. So. Uh, he may win, and then adding, I'm much bigger, and there's a reason MMA has weight divisions. I think mm. um, Zuckerberg would sort of be like a lightweight, and uh, Elon would be sort of more of a heavyweight, more of a you know, heavy upper weight. middleweight, heavyweight. Yeah. All right, so six two uh, versus. Uh, yeah, I think one eighty is a long time ago. Yeah, Elon's not a small How tall dude. How are you? You're. I'm six foot. Oh. Um, but uh, by the way, when you compare net worth, Elon Musk, richest man in the world, 232 billion. Mm. Take a guess what Zuck's net worth is. I don't know. A measly, measly, pales in comparison, 110 billion. Zuck, what are you doing with your life, bro? My God. Oh, you only have 110 billion? He's practicing. Man, this guy in the Zuck ring. is slacking, dude. 110 billion? All right, man. You know, get on Elon's level, 232 billion. So. Um, Elon continued to announce that the heavily anticipated fight will be live streamed on what was formerly known as Twitter, now known as X. And then UFC president, referencing the UFC, Dana White, says that the two billionaires were absolutely dead serious about a potential bout, stating this would be the biggest fight ever in the history of the world. Hell Forget yeah. about 
Ali Frazier. Yeah. Forget about Ali Foreman. Forget about Mayweather, Logan Paul. Forget about whatever Jake Falls fighting some washed up <laughs> UFC boxer. Yeah. Forget about that. Forget about Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson. Will Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg be the biggest fight of all time? Oh, yeah. How about that? Can we do a poll on that or is that going to shock the system? Yeah. Who would win in a fight, Elon or Zuck? I think Cage match. Call. We'll see what happens with that. I would love so, to see that. On the other hand, Zuckerberg has been skeptical about Musk's intentions, saying that no date has been set for the fight. Zuckerberg posted on his version of Twitter, now X, which is called Threads. Yes. He said, I suggested August 26th, which is in a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, when he first challenged him, but he hasn't confirmed and he's not holding his breath. So um, while we're doing this poll, Elon versus Musk, which would, I would assume, happen on a UFC Dana White octagon-esque scenario being emceed by Joe Rogan, a uh, new friend of ours. Joe Rogan, thank you. Um, I would like to know who you would want to win or who you think would win in that. Um, by the way, uh, while you're doing that poll, there's a, there's a sort of like a hype video of Zuck doing his thing. This guy, Lex Friedman, if you're familiar with his podcast, super credible guy, super interesting guy super influential. He's actually been uh, grappling with not only um, Zuck, with also Elon Musk. I actually saw him fighting with George St. Pierre, GSP, who's oh, been yeah. on the PBD podcast. And GSP was like, nah, 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 nah. You can have your fun with Zuck and Elon out there. I'm one of the greatest fighters, if not the greatest UFC fighter of all time. Not gonna happen with me, Lex. But here's Zuck fighting with, or training, with Lex, let's see if you, what you think about Zuck's skills, if they can pay the bills. And here's that was here's some images of uh, Lex fighting with Elon, so we'll go with that. So it's very interesting to see this dynamic: podcasters, Rogan, Lex Friedman, PBD, myself. You got billionaires, you got the Zucks of the world, the Elons of the world. Then you've got fighters, the MMAs of the world, mm -hmm. Dana White, Joe Rogan, uh, George St. Pierre. Mm. You know, I, I smell something cooking with these billionaire podcasting, oh. fighting situation, which is something, something's a brew in here. Mm. Um, I think the world would want to see that fight, but I'll make one addendum to this situation. Addendum. Not only would I like to see a fight, I think the world would see the fight, I would love to see an intellectual debate. Me too. Between Zuck and Musk, because I think it would be a disservice to the rest of America just to see them fight. Yeah. What does that solve? Who's, who's stronger, who's tougher? Yeah. Cool, all good. Mm -hmm. But I think you have two techno billionaires, technocrats mm -hmm. who run Silicon Valley, Facebook. You know, Elon Musk said he's not leaving Silicon Valley and did sort of an ode to San Francisco. We know that, that uh, Zuck uh, left Harvard and uh, made his way with Facebook, now Meta, 
out there in the Silicon Valley. But I would not only like to see a fight, I would like to see an intellectual debate. I Me think too. that would sort of raise the standards of what these guys are doing. I think they have a lot of insight with technology, mm -hmm. with AI, with social media, with elections, with free speech. Mm. Uh, everything that they know about how government, big tech, duopoly sort of works, that is something I would love to see. So as much as the fighting will get the clicks and the eyeballs, I think the substance of those two having an intellectual debate is something that the world not only wants to see, but needs. Uh, so for the Rogans of the world, for the Dana Whites of the world, for the PBDs of the world, yes. let's see if we can make this fight happen, but let's see if we can make this debate happen. You guys let me know your thoughts. I would cool. love to see that. So moving right along, um, we did the Joe Rogan podcast. Mm -hmm. We did the Joe Rogan experience. We left the next day. Uh, we got on a flight, private jet. I'm only flying private these days. Oh. Just kidding. Excuse uh, me. When, when someone invites you to fly private, you go. But for the rest of the time, fly commercial, y'all. <laughs> so we fly back. Uh, why do we fly back? Because I have a show I got to do. Because for uh, a year, we've been going back and forth with Nick Fuentes' camp mm. about doing a podcast. I was like, I don't know. I'm more about um, uh, finance and romance and helping men achieve the things they want in life, whether that's money, whether that's women, whether that's networking, whether that's becoming the best version of themselves. But more and more as I'm growing on my own, I do believe that the, the, where valuetainment plays an important role is having discussions, especially with people who have been canceled yes. or don't have the opportunity to voice uh, their opinions or give um, their thoughts on mainstream media or uh, on platforms that have canceled them. So the more and more I thought of it, there were people saying, don't do it with Fuentes. There are people saying you should absolutely do it with it. But, and I'm factoring on these opinion, people's opinions that I value uh, beyond that's why I'm going to them but ultimately I went with my gut and I said you know what I think it'll be an interesting conversation of a Jewish man um, from Valuetainment hosting a conversation with an alleged white supremacist anti-semite known as Nick Fuentes and I'm glad that I did the experience so we rushed back from Rogan got here changed real quickly boom Nick's here nice to meet you now we were joined by an awesome panel uh, Michael Sartain, Alpha Nima, uh, Catalina Loff, who yes. was a uh, running for Congress in Nick Fuentes' home state of all places, Illinois, mm -hmm. and then also Amy, who I find to be a very smart woman. Yes. Um, and then also Nat joined the panel. Yay. And uh, it was an interesting conversation with Nick. And uh, now, uh, if you buy the rumors, uh, you would think that Nick is the reincarnation of evil if you buy what the media is selling you. Yeah. But I can tell you firsthand that I didn't have that experience at all. We actually got along. I, thought, I found it to be respectful. We did a Zoom call before the show to get on the same page because we wanted the episode to not get taken down. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to draw any red flags or get any strikes from YouTube. So he helped us sort of process that. And our teams were working very much in unison. But at the same time, he's been charged with pretty serious, uh, I won't even say allegations, just uh, for what he stands for. Mm. So we had a conversation uh, around 
what it means to be a man, a type of man. Mm -hmm. um, and, we, and I directly asked him uh, sort of the tough questions of what he's been accused of saying, or actually has said. So here's the first clip where I said, Nick, this is your bio. Now, if that. I've learned anything from Andrew Tate, or uh, being in discussions with Trump's camp, or certainly sitting down with Alex Jones, uh, you can't necessarily trust uh, the bios that you will read on Wikipedia. Yes. So I asked him point blank, this is your bio. How much of this is accurate? How much of this is fake news? Uh, dispel the rumors, set the, set the record straight. Who are you? So here's a question of me asking Nick, all right, Nick, this is what your bio says. Uh, please respond. Here's that clip. Some of it is probably accurate. I would say most of it. Some of it might not be. Because I would like to, your message to be conveyed correctly. Sure. So I'm just going to read you a couple things and what it says, but then I would like, forget about this. One and a half. You write your own bio. Hmm. I'm going to give you this, and you say, you know what? Here's what I stand for. Short, quick, not a whole espousal, right? Nick Fuentes, known for holding anti-Semitic views and denying the Holocaust. That's what it says here. He's a far-right supremacist and political commentator and live streamer. He identifies as a member of the incel movement and as a supporter of authoritarian government and is a Catholic integralist. 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 Got to learn how about And white Christian nationalist. Uh, in 2020, seeking to establish a white supremacist conference to rival CPAC, Fuentes began holding the annual America First Political Action Committee, AFPAC, um, when it's attended 2017 white supremacist rally in Charlottesville and later to the attendee of speaker events preceding the 2021 United States Capitol attack. Um, so there's a bio. Uh, how much of that is accurate? Uh, and here's your chance to write your own bio. Well, a lot of it's not true. Every time they say my name, they got to throw in white supremacists, white nationalists, anti-Semitic, neo-Nazi. You mm -hmm. know, I don't identify with any of those things. I'd say I'm a Catholic American nationalist. Catholic American nationalist. But you know, I understand that. Okay, cool. Um, so you know, they say... I gave him an opportunity to write his own bio. I don't think a lot of platforms will be willing to give a person with this reputation that opportunity. Now, I'm not asking for praise or flowers. I'm just saying, understand what we're doing here in Valuetainment. Mm -hmm. That uh, there's a lot of been a lot of backlash. How could you have this guy on? He's a racist. He's an anti-Semitist. He's a white nationalist. Um, but those are labels that are being thrown out there um, that he himself said he's not. Here's actually the next clip of me asking him point blank, are you actually any of these things? Yeah. Go to the next clip. Here we go. Then we move on. Okay. Nick Fuentes. Yeah. Welcome to the Saucecast. Are you a racist? Uh, no. Okay. Are you anti-Semitic? No. Okay. Are you Islamophobe? No. Do you hate gays? No. Okay. Uh, is there any single individual group you hate more than others? No. I, I okay. love all people. Do you think, uh, do you hate black people? No. Okay. Do you think India smells? That I do. Okay, there we go. And that's what we're going to All right. Um, at this point, we will read our super chats. Okay, cool. Thank you for being here. So thank you. So what am I saying here? You know, don't judge a book by its cover. Now, has Nick said some things that will piss off a lot of people? Yes. Um, can things be taken out of context? For sure. Um, I asked him point blank, are you a racist, anti-Semite, uh, hate blacks, hate gays? He said no. But what I am is a... Catholic nationalist. So uh, you can have the opportunity to agree or disagree, but that's what I love about America, and that's what I love about the First Amendment, and that's what I love about free speech. Draw your own conclusions. There's going to be people basically saying, W. Nick, great job. He crushed it. Saz, way to have him on, way to hold uh, a good panel, way to have a discussion. There's going to be people being like, how low can you stoop? I can't believe you would have this guy on. Do you, do you understand what he spews and all the hatred that he spews? I'll let you guys make that decision. Mm -hmm. What I know is I would rather run 
towards the discussion than away from the discussion. And if he said anything that I deeply disagreed with, I would call that out. Like the one thing that I firmly disagreed with was I was like, look, dude, you know, Kanye said some wild shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, you were his communications director. Is there anything you would recommend that Kanye pull back from saying? And he said no. And I was like, all right, well, you know, what Kanye said has been very hurtful. Uh, some people might find it disgusting, but it, I, I reserve his right to say it. Mm -hmm. Now, I asked him point blank, do you think Hitler was a good guy or a bad guy? Yes. You know, in my opinion, uh, I don't think you can, it's not even a debate. <laughs> yeah. The Hitlers of the world, the Stalins of the world, the Maos of the world, these are sort of uniformly bad people, mass murdering of people, yeah. causing world wars. Uh, it'd be very hard pressed to say, yeah, he's was, was actually a good person. So Nick, uh, I don't know if he pled the fifth or basically <laughs> leaned towards good, yeah. but that's not where I'm gonna agree with you, bro. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, as disgusting as I think that is, and I think um, what that can lead to, I'm not gonna hear and say, you're a white supremacist, you're a racist. He said no, okay? Whether he was lying remains to be seen. Whether he was doing it for cameras and clicks and views, remains to be seen, but from my experience, that's not what I took from it. So um, that's that. I love so, the way you did that podcast. I think that was you. phenomenal. I think I love that you read the bio of him and you gave him a chance to rewrite it himself and, and debunk whatever is said about him. And I think that's important, especially for what we do at Valuetainment, being that place where people can come and speak you mm -hmm. know, about who they are and what really they believe. Um, and again, letting you guys decide, I think it was great that you also asked him like, you know, what is your thoughts on Hitler? Like straight up. Yeah. So there were certain things that you asked and that was very forward and I think it was needed and I loved to see you do that interview. So here's what I'll say here, you know, and I'm Jewish. I have Jewish friends. Yes. I have Muslim friends. I have Christian friends. I have uh, Buddhist friends. I have Sikh friends. I believe in equal opportunity to be friends, but also equal opportunity to make fun of people. As one of the things that I used to say as a comedian is, mm -hmm. It's not racist or prejudiced if you make fun of everybody. Okay, well this person knows this, this person that, this person that. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it where hate spews is when you single out one group as like, these are the people. Yeah. No, there's good people and there's bad people and they just happen to be Jewish, Muslim, Christian, black, white, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, mm -hmm. there's just people. So, uh, Here's something that, you know, maybe a message to my Jewish friends. Did you see what happened with Jamie Foxx recently? Yes. Okay, so we'll just touch on that real quick. So uh, I believe we are too quick, um, uh, as a Jew speaking here, to label somebody an anti-Semite. Mm. So, you know, my fear is like being the boy that cried wolf. So here's something that um, Jamie Foxx recently tweeted, okay? So here's what uh, Foxx said. So he tweeted, they killed this dude, Jesus. Uh, what do you think they'll do to you? Hashtag fake friends, hashtag fake love. Mm. Okay, so scroll down just a little bit. In that? That's it. There's nothing under there. There's nothing under there. All right, cool. So he came under attack of, oh, that's so anti-Semitic. How could you say that? Here's how I would interpret this. I'm just taking it on... Uh, face level on the surface yeah uh he's talking about what a friend would do to you 
how would I interpret? Because I've heard this term before. Like if a friend will basically turn his back on Jesus, kill Jesus, what do you think a friend will do to you? He's obviously talking about Judas, right. the Last Supper and everything with that. I wouldn't take this as anti-Semitic. Yeah. So here you have uh, Jamie Foxx having to issue an apology. I'm not anti-Semitic. I, I have Jewish friends and I'm like, guys, uh, we're doing too much, okay? Um, lastly, um, it, it's just, uh, it, it, and then Jennifer Anderson had to issue an apology. Um, little too much with that. So I don't believe that it's anti-Semitic. Then you have Cardi B recently, oh, basically yeah. having to deal with some, some drama after a concert. So here she's throwing a microphone at a fan at a concert. Um, if you have that image. Yeah. Uh, Cardi B and her lawyers thanks her lawyers uh, after basically being uh, a suspect of battery. Scroll down, Malik. Um, see if you can find that uh, video of her throwing a microphone. All right, you don't have it. But if you, if you go even lawyer, uh, lawyer, lower, ironically enough, um, Malik, please pull that back up. She has a shout out in her song. Scroll down, brother. Scroll down. Keep going. Keep, keep going. going. Keep going. Okay, right there. Uh, so trending, lawyer is a Jew. So she said in one of her lyrics, um, <laughs> From Bickenhead, this is the Cardi B. Uh, lawyer is a Jew, he gonna chew up all the charges. All right, you know. She is a comedian. There's a comedian. So, I love it. You know, people are basically saying, well, that's anti-Semitic. She's saying her lawyers are Jewish. It's oh like, no, they are Jewish, but then she's actually giving the lawyers a compliment. Yeah. So it's like, which one is it? So um, here's how I interpret this uh, to my Jewish friends. Um, let's stop throwing the anti-Semitic term anytime it comes up, because it loses credibility. All right, just as a blanket statement, oh, anti-Semite, oh, anti-Semite. Yeah. And let's reserve it for the real anti-Semitic, the real racist comments mm -hmm. and not being so sensitive um, because there's levels to all this. So let's not be the little boy who cried wolf. At the same time, I think it's important to show these stats that has been put out by the FBI mm. because some of this stuff is real. So here's uh, some stats from the AEI. And um, let's pull that up. So based on, uh, no, the other, the other uh, article, if you don't mind. Oh, this is it. Yeah. Yeah, based on 2019 FBI data, Jews were 2.6 times more likely than blacks and 2.2 times more likely than Muslims to be victims of hate crimes. Oh. Very interesting. Scroll down on that. Okay, so here's the stat that shows that. Oh. U.S. hate crimes punch in uh, per 100,000. So, you know... Um, when Jewish people basically say, hey, man, that's anti-Semitic. Hey, man, yeah, I have an issue with that. It's because the facts show that Jew hatred is actually pervasive and only getting worse. Mm. So as a Jew, um, I sympathize with my people and I empathize with my people, but there's different levels to this. Show the other article, by the way. So anti-Semitic incidents are on the rise across the U.S. report finds. If you scroll down, basically it shows that the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, found that anti-Semitic incidents in the U.S. increased by more than 35 percent from 2,700 in 2021 to thir over 3,700 in 2022. So to my Jewish friends out there, I feel you. I get it. Like we do need to stand for uh, ourselves. We do need to stand for prejudice, stand against racism, stand, stand against anti-Semitism. But let's be careful with what we're labeling 
anti-Semitism because the Jamie Foxx thing, not so much. The Cardi B thing, not at all. Nick Fuentes, maybe some, maybe not. Kanye, mm -hmm. for sure. But actual hate crimes is on the rise. Um, so let's just be mindful with that. But you we know what also on. is on the rise? Uh, victimhood. So that makes sense. So everybody wants to be a victim today, so everybody's sensitive to things. There's things that where polls are showing certain things, and, like, I don't even get offended to some of these things, and I may fall in a category. But, again, I don't look at myself as a victim in that space. So, like, a lot of these things wouldn't even affect me. And that's I was going to ask you, you know, being a Jew, do you feel like you it has affected the way you do business or life today? Not at all. Not okay. in the least. I think victimhood is a very unattractive quality, whether whether you're... Jewish, black, Armenian, yes. Japanese, Latino. I think uh, we all deal with struggles. And if you identify as a victim, that's who you'll be. But if yeah. you're saying, hey, listen, life sucks. I'm sorry, life's hard. Sometimes shit sucks, but I got to deal with it, become the best version of myself and face adversity. I think that is, the, um, that is incumbent on every man to do. Yeah. Uh, moving on, I'll tell you somebody who is not uh, a victim, and that is... Vivek Ramaswamy. Yes. So we'll touch on that. So we had a crazy day um, on Friday, packed house. It started off that morning with a PBD podcast with the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, yes. and a special guest on the podcast, Graham Stephan. Sort of a re weird combo. We yeah. talked about the difference between Florida and what's going on in Florida with uh, DeSantis and uh, the mayor of Miami and Graham Stephan, who left California and moved to Vegas. I think we have an image of that morning, that picture. Um, of uh, after the podcast, uh, Malik. Okay, well, he's pulling up the, the, the image. So uh, anyway, this is something that I would give the power of networking. Uh, I've known the mayor for years. I've interviewed him multiple times. Here it goes. You have the mayor of Miami right in the middle, Francis Suarez, famous for basically um, his famous tweet, how can I help, which is encouraging Silicon Valley and Elon Musk to basically uh, anoint Miami as the, uh, the number one future city in America, let's say. Graham Stephan, uh, little dude, but packs a powerful punch. Short King. PBD, Short King, and uh, Tom Ellsworth, awesome hey. podcast. That's how the day started. I met Graham years ago at a FinCon event. See? Known him for years. I've known the mayor for years. But sometimes good thing takes time. This is the first time that either of them were on the PBD podcast. So a lot of this happened years after we met. This goes back to the power of networking, mm. playing the long game, being likable, not being too needy, not being like someone that's like, please, can we do something? Uh, like I say all the time, people like doing business with people they like. No matter what business you're in, you're in the people business. Uh, speaking of someone who's in the people business, mm. this guy Vivek yes. is everywhere. Yes. He's meeting with people. He's meeting with constituents. He's going on every show, every panel. He ain't shy. Yeah. And this guy is an absolute beast. And this past week, he came on Valuetainment and did Yay. the PBD podcast town hall here. Super likable guy. The first time we had him on the podcast was a few months ago. Hey, man, here's my number. Let's keep in touch. Awesome, awesome. Developed a relationship with PBD. And this whole thing manifested. And we had a packed house here. A couple hundred people. Packed house. Questions. Answers. Panel. Galore. Awesome town hall. That's something that we're going to be doing more of here at Valuetainment. Here's actually a clip of a little behind the scenes mm. before Vivek took the stage. Here's me um, doing a little Instagram story oh. of PBD coming out and Vivek getting ready to come out. Let's play that.
How are you feeling, my bag? Let's go. So Vivek was awesome. Yeah. He was amazing. Actually, super likable guy, super personable. Um, I mean, just nailed every answer. Boom, here's what I would do with China. Boom, here's what I would do with Russia. Boom, here's what I would do with the wokeness. Boom, here's what I would do with ESG. Boom, here's how I would handle Trump. Boom, boom, boom. But the one question, which I think is going to be the biggest challenge for him, mm. speaking of sitting down with all types of people, yeah. black, white, Latino, Hispanic, Hindu, was this question that came from an audience member. Mm. So I said, will Vivek be the first millennial president? But what are the chances he's the first Hindu president? Yeah. Obviously, the big question is, uh, as he's sort of coming closer to DeSantis in the polls, does he have any chance of beating Trump? Now, here's a, he's a tech, Wall Street, multi-millionaire, super likable guy, super smart guy. But is this a challenge that can be overcome? So here's the question. Let's play that clip. unabashedly proclaim that one of your tenets is God is real. And as a Christian, my faith is first and foremost who I am. Being a Hindu, can you please share your faith about God and what you think of his son, Jesus Christ? Thank you. So I appreciate that. So I'll share with you my faith and I'll share with you the relevance that I think it has to leading this country. So I'm a Hindu. There's many strains like there are Christianity, Catholicism, etc. There's many strains of Hinduism too. I believe in one true God. I believe that that God resides in each of us. I think it is the same statement of spirit when we say in the Christian tradition, and I did go to Catholic schools and I've read the Bible perhaps more closely than most Christians I know. One more story. It's the same message as when we say we are equal because we are made in the image of God. It's the same spirit to say that's where our equality comes from. It's not some secular value. We're equal in the eyes of each other because we're equal in the eyes of God. The tradition I was raised in, we say we're equal in the eyes of each other because God resides in each of us. That we each have a duty to one another. You gotta think about that strand of sacrifice and duty. That's foundational to Hinduism. I think it's the common strand between the Old Testament and the New. I mean, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac for God. He didn't make him follow through with it. The New Testament, God comes back and says, I will sacrifice my son, Jesus Christ, for you, the people. And so that's a long way of saying that I'm not Christian. And just in my spirit, in my answer to the last question, I'll never pretend to be something I'm not. I'm always going to speak the truth about who I am and what I stand for. But I think it's deeply true that we share the same Judeo-Christian values that this nation was founded on. And this nation was absolutely founded on Judeo-Christian values. That's a fact. It is also a fact that I deeply share those values in common. And to be honest, does our church, does our family, when there's a Hindu temple available, will we go for our collection of self to a church if that's the next closest available opportunity for prayer? Yes, we will. And so in our tradition, we say Jesus, Jesus Christ is a son of God. I understand that's different than saying he's the son of God, but we share the same value set in common. And I'm not running to be pastor-in-chief. I'm running to be commander-in-chief. <laughs> it's a different role. Right? And, and, right and for that role, right, cool. I think we share the same value. So the guy's a beast. The guy's an absolute beast. Yeah. On stage, off stage, super likable. Um, and it's incredible to see where he is now. Is America ready for him to be president? Mm. We shall see. But he certainly has the traits that I think will put him in the running for that. Um, and one of the things we say about here is the future looks bright. That guy ain't going anywhere. Yeah. So if it doesn't happen in 2024, I wouldn't be shocked again if he ran in 2028 and beyond. Um, and uh, if he is mm. potentially the first Hindu president and first millennial president. But the guy's a beast. And uh, I think the future looks bright yeah. for that guy. Super likable. Yeah. Um, all right. Last story before we wrap up for the day. By the way, no Saucecast on Thursday, so we're going a little bit long today. Wait. Because we'll be in Vegas, Vegas. for an awesome show. But uh, I do want to sort of wrap this up with uh, a little bit of money talk. Yay. You know, we talked about a little bit about politics. We talked a little bit about culture. We talked about my wild week 
with Rogan, with everything that happened with Tate, with everything that happened with Vivek, with Nick Fuentes, with the mayor, with Graham Stephan. It's been an awesome week. But this last story is not about me, it's about you. Mm. So here's how I can add value to our friends out there that want to make money, that get paid, and get laid. So here's an article out there that talks about is being too agreeable losing you money? Being too nice. All right, are you too nice? Are you too agreeable? Is everything okay? Do you not push back enough? So the article basically talks about that mental health experts are saying agreeability, right, is having plenty of upsides for interpersonal relationships, but also has its fair share of challenges when it comes to dealing with conflict. Mm. You know, Tate always talks about um, that they uh, basically want to demasculate the men because men tend to be more disagreeable than women, mm. okay? So the military-aged men, they're like, hell no, what the hell is this all about? Where, and they'll speak up and say something where women tend to be a little bit more agreeable. But at the same time, you also hear sort of anecdotal stories about men becoming more feminine, not being confident, not speaking up enough, not saying what's on their mind, our fear of pissing people off or being disagreeable. But here's some stories about why being disagreeable and not being agreeable might actually be helpful. So people who are highly agreeable, yes, they can be friendly, but in turn, making them an easy target to be taking advantage of. Agreeable people try to please others mm. and steer clear of arguments. So making, easy, making it easy for disagreeable people to get their way, mm. right? So how is agreeability losing you money? That's the question, because it's a money conversation, and not only so much um, a position of money, but your network, how people know you, your reputation, that will all lead to the bottom line, which is your money. So psychologists say that agreeableness, okay, make people more likely to prioritize personal relationships. I don't want to defend anybody or offend anybody. I don't want to piss anybody off. I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to make waves. Putting that over their career and income and basically saying, all right, like, let me do what I got to do to do it, to get this job done, to make money. I don't care who I piss off. So that might, being agreeable might lend you to go into fields like uh, lower paying fields, mm. like being a teacher uh, or certain instances where you're just like, listen, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to piss people off um, and fields that do pay less, but involve more caretaking and human interaction. So this is something I've never been the most agreeable person. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I speak my <laughs> mind, sometimes too much. But there's a barometer of that. There's a spectrum of that, which we're going to talk about right now. Mm -hmm. So PBD and I have actually talked about this. He's like, Saz is amazing. I met him at a financial conference 10 years ago. He wasn't shy, but he wasn't you know, doing too much. He was kind of like a good balance of being assertive, being selfish in a way, but not being doing too much. Mm -hmm. So here's a couple of clips from PBD that we've sort of clipped to highlight maybe how you should be and how you should act as a man. Here's the first one talking about PBD basically saying, you can't please everybody. This is in an episode he did called A Major Mistake First Time Millionaires Make. Roll that clip. I believe it starts at 435, Malik. Hmm. To be at that level. But do I want to please everybody? No. Do I want to please every you know, person that's ever been in our lives? No. Every relative? Definitely not. Why not? It's impossible. It's impossible. You try to do that, you will not live a happy life. Other people will try to get suck all the energy out of you. You will not live a happy life. You know who you should never explain yourself to? You know this whole concept of tell. So tell me why you were late. I got into a car accident on the way here. Here's a picture. Here's where I was at. Look at the time at the top, 738. Pat, I'm never late. You know what? You're right. Cool. You good? Everybody good? Pat, everything's good. I'm here. I'm going to get the things done. You mind if I take an hour to go get the car situated? I mean, do your thing. Cool. Because there's that, right? All now, good. 
So w essentially, you know, you can't please everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a famous line in a song. It's like, you try to please everybody all the time, all that. And I'm butchering that right now. But, you know, Pat talks about the book that's coming out December 5th that yes. he gifted to Rogan, Choose Your Enemies Wisely. You have to understand, at some point, you're going to piss people off. You can't take the middle ground on everything. You're going to have to uh, choose an enemy. You're going to have to piss some people off. Uh, and that's okay, because not everybody is going to like you. Uh, you don't want everybody to hate you, but it's okay to have some enemies. It's okay to have some people that are pissed off for what you stand for, because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Mm -hmm. So you can't please everybody. That's from PBD. Now, there's another clip right here uh, that PBD highlights about uh, asserting yourself and pushing back and why ni nice guys miss out and why nice guys finish last. This is at 2.58, I believe. You could sit there and be rational and not say anything, but somebody could say the following. You know what, John? I understand where you're going, but I have to push back. Let me explain to you why. It depends if you like a Lambo. Most buyers of Lamborghini, ta 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 ta. Most buyers of Ferrari are this. And then the other person could come back and say, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I know the history, but I'm telling you, Aston Martin is this. So forget about the thing. It's done. You push back a little bit. Everybody goes in their cars, they leave this party. Everyone's having a cigar, they're having a drink, though. Whatever it may be. When they go in the car, those 10 people in the car are going to say, what do you think about what he said when he pushed back and he said, Aston Martin? I disagree with him. He actually has a good point, but they're talking about you. Because you challenge and you push back. Now you're a topic of discussion. That's the benefit of being assertive and challenging and pushing back instead of being timid or confident or quiet or rational or nice. You're missing out on many opportunities because those 10 people, when they go to the next party, you know what everyone's gonna ask? Is such and such gonna be there? Oh yeah, he's coming. I can't wait to see him again. Oh hey, what's up, Aston Martin guy? No matter what, they remember you. You're memorable, right? If you're on this side. Now, can you go past uh, challenging and push back and uh, be a little bit too much? Yes. That's when you go into the pestering mode. And when you go into the pestering mode, now you're annoying. Okay, cool. Uh, go now back you're a little to that right much. there if you can. Now you're that that uh, image. So what I like about this, what I like about PBD does when he does these um, how-tos, how -tos, yeah. is that he actually lays out where you can fall on the spectrum of being too aggressive or being too timid or being too, too assertive. Here's the nice guy pendulum. So here's advice to the young men out there. On the far left, which is the red one, nice. uh, you have timid and you're too nice, mm -hmm. okay? Um, Never want to be there. You're afraid to speak up. You're afraid to say what's on your mind. You don't want to offend anybody. Um, not the place to be. The next level after that dark blue is confident. All right, I'm listening. I'm standing there. Um, I might not push back. I might not say anything. But I'll, I'll give my two cents, but not offend anybody. Mm. Cool. That's better than being timid. Yeah. Beyond that is being rational, OK? Having seen both sides of the argument, Cool, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Cool, you're not getting emotional about things. But at the same time, you might not be speaking up right. and saying what's on your mind. So the next level on that is being assertive, mm. OK? You're rational, you're confident, but you're also saying, yeah, I don't know about that, bro. Because, and Pat gave the example of two different types of cars, whatever it is, and Aston right. Martin or Lamborghini. And now you're like, well, what do you mean you don't know? And that, I, I think that's what, what I've learned from PBD podcast sitting next to him for the last four years is he'll push back but push back respectfully he'll say allow me to give you a little pushback and by the way you can push back to me but that's where you find yeah. the true sense of the argument and that's where you find the truth is pushing back and saying yeah i don't know about that bro i don't know about though so i do sales and i'll say so i did um my financial sale career that i do uh i had a big account call me big account massive and he's like, here's why I don't like what you do. Mm. Here's why I don't like what, what uh, your industry does. Here's why I don't like this going on. And I say, you know, 
Tom, I hear you, uh, and I respect what you're saying, but let me tell you why I like what we do. Mm. And let me state the case for why I think it's important for this financial product. And do you know that our clients X, Y, and Z, I did the call right here. Yeah. Do you know why our clients actually appreciate that? And do you know how many thank you letters I get because they didn't just let their policy lapse and they actually got money for their policy? So yeah, I understand where you're coming from that sometimes it takes too long or there's a lot of information required. But the bottom line is, would you rather have a client lapse a policy for nothing or have them do a settlement for a quarter million dollars? Which one would you advise your client mm. to do? And he goes, well, you know, at the end of the day, I would probably have them do the quarter million dollars. So you're agreeing with me. So, and he's like, yeah, you actually have a point. So the point was this, I was respectfully assertive. Mm -hmm. Now I get that that's anecdotal and this is a very unique to my business, but I didn't just sit there and say, yeah, I understand and be apologetic for what we do at our firm, which was a leading firm of the country for this niche product, which is life insurance settlements. Yeah. I said, no, this is why our clients appreciate this. It wasn't a personal attack. I didn't come at him. I said, this is why the clients appreciate this product. At the end of the day, he's like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Mm. And let me reconsider where I'm at. But if I wasn't assertive with him and just sort of was a scaredy cat and I was like, oh, this is a massive guy who is a massive, massive financial advisor. Mm. I don't want to push back for fear of basically him saying, you know, how dare you? I was like, no, let me stand my ground. And he appreciated it and it worked out in the end. Mm. So now looking at that spectrum real quick, if we can go back to that clip, um, there's challenging. Yeah. That's the next level. I challenged him, mm -hmm. but I wasn't disrespectful. So the last element here is where I think a lot of people is certainly the super aggressive, yes. super hardcore guys is they don't get the message. Okay, can we minimize the screen, by the way? Can we see what's on the bottom? Uh, or just or raise the screen? Because I can see there's nice on the left. What's on the bottom right? Maybe just raise that up a little bit. What does it say? Bottom right is nice spectrum on the right spectrum. Oh, oh pestering, correct. Okay. There's people that don't get the message. Yes. There's people that don't get the hint. There's people that push back way too much and they're annoying. And there's a fine line between being aggressive and assertive and annoying. So just know what that balance is. And if you want, if you want to see this episode, go to why nice guys miss out, PBD pushing back. See where you're at with this. I would highly recommend if there's anywhere you're on the spectrum, be to the center right. Yeah. Be to the center right. Maybe in politics, center mm. right is okay too. I don't know. Maybe with financial responsibility, center right is okay too. But not being far right yeah. and certainly not being far left. So here's the last point that I will say here. Uh, PBD did a, a episode about the benefits of being selfish, being selfless. There's a chart that we can actually pull up. Can you pull that up? Selfish versus selfless. You have that, Malik? Boom, here it is. So you have to figure out where you're at at the spectrum. Oh. So some people are way too selfless. They only care about others. Maybe they're timid. They don't want to offend anybody. Mm -hmm. They don't want to speak up. Some people are way too selfish. They only care about themselves. They're sort of Machiavellian. They'll do whatever they got to do to get the job done. But at some point, yeah, they're too selfish. I think for a single guy out there, this might be a little counterintuitive for a single guy. You don't have kids. Mm -hmm. You don't have a family. I think you should be 80% selfish, 20% selfless. Why? It's your time. Focus on yourself. Focus on your growth. Focus on becoming the person you want to be. You don't have kids you need to take care of. You don't have a wife you need to take care of. Uh, it's time to be selfish. That's fine. I think women, understand, understandably so, 
you know, when they're out of college, they got to kind of figure out their career, despite what Nick Fuentes says about mm -hmm. women going to college. But at some point, when you become a family man, when you want to have a wife, you want to have a kids, you need to probably go closer to like a 60-40 split being selfless because you need to be taking care of others. You know, what do they famously say? The definition of a man is when you take care of others. Mm -hmm. So find that balance in your life. But you can't please everybody all the time. Be assertive, push back, but being disrespect don't do it in a disrespectful way. And find out where you're at on the selfish versus selfless chart. So hopefully that lesson right there, for especially for the sales guys out there, for the entrepreneurs out there, for the people that make their money dealing with people, hopefully that provided some value for you guys at home. With that being awesome. said, we are now at the tail end of the SawsCast. It is time to wrap up. It is time for the happy ending. Uh, Nat, give your two cents, and then I'll give mine. Awesome. Um, well, I guess I'll get, this is my happy ending. Is that what this is? Um, so I guess my happy chat. ending. Uh, oh, well, let me do super chats, and then I'll do the, yep. that. Okay, cool. So first we have our super chat right here. Um, uh, this is from Coach Simping Jamba Juice out of a straw. Uh, why does Adam talk so much? Keep working in that. Adam is the host, so he has <laughs> to talk a lot. <laughs> uh, then well, we this, have this, this, uh, and that you had your you had your time this yeah. week. But this was my week. Yeah, no, I loved it. This was it. my experience. This, this, Were you I with Rogan? This. No, I wasn't. Did you interview Tate? No, I didn't. Did you spend time with Vivek? I did. Were I you mean, with I the did mayor? a little bit. I, a little Look, bit, a little bit. This is my time. But this is your time. No, it's I'm like the Goonies situation. Yes. Down here, this is our time. Up yes. there, it's their time. Yeah. So I'm sorry that I speak so much on my own show. I love But this, it. again, can't please everybody. Yes. Some people are going to criticize me for talking too much on my own show. Yes. But this is your time, Nat. Go ahead. Thanks. All right. Well, then we have our next Super Chat, uh, Rido Sauce. Uh, whose compound was better, Tate or Rogan? Oh, I mean, <laughs> keep in mind, uh, it, as, as far as how big it was, mm -hmm. Tate has a house, cool compound. Right. Rogan has a building. Yeah. Okay? So both were awesome, but as far as, they say bigger or cooler? Uh, which one was better? But they were both awesome. I'm not going to pick. It was both <laughs> amazing experience. Awesome. But as far as size, square feet, yeah. Rogan's was 10 times bigger. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Uh, then we have uh, Marlon Brimmer. No, he said that these things himself. You're whitewashing, disgusting. Then we have Ramon Rendon. Adam, we'll forgive you for wasting our time with having Neem on the show with Fuentes. Next time, leave him off so we cannot hear the annoying micro comments. I'm not a Fuentes fan either. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your feedback. Um, let me check any more chats. And I think dun, 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 that is it for Super Chats. Thank you guys all for Super Chats today. Uh, today was a great episode. Uh, my two cents, my takeaway. I think today's episode, I like doing these sauce and that shows because again, like I said earlier, I kind of get to see your perspective. And I think today's episode and everything we talked about was getting to see your perspective in a different position in meeting these individuals. Um, and I think watching you grow in this space of podcasting and networking, you're also learning to play a different role with these individuals. You know, you used to be kind of the back burner, the back end, and now you're at the front end. Now you're interviewing. Now you're around these people. And um, I think it's interesting, interesting to see kind of your journey and your growth, and I love to hear your experience Thanks, today. Thanks, Nat. Great job today. W. Nat. W. Anyway, Nat. thank you guys for joining in for this uh, Tuesday episode of the SawsCast. Malik, thank you for doing what you do. Nat, thank you for doing what you do. Thanks. Uh, reminder to thank your teammates. Yes. Thank you for the production staff that puts us all this stuff together. Um, and thank you guys for being a part of this. Uh, we're only getting bigger. We're only getting better. 
Uh, do I have room for improvement? You better believe it. We all do. So um, I think we have more wins than losses. I think we have more good shows than bad shows. I think we give more good advice than bad advice. Mm -hmm. But we are open to your constructive criticism. Um, uh, I understand that we can't please everybody, but hopefully we're pleasing a lot of you and delivering value and some of that good old-fashioned tainment that we like around here yes. at Valuetainment, especially on the Sawscast. Uh, but I appreciate every single one of you, the good comments, the bad comments. Um, we appreciate you all. So with that being said, be assertive, be confident, don't be timid, but don't be annoying. Yes. Uh, be uh, the right mixture of selfish and selfless. Be a good person. Uh, be likable. Uh, people like doing business with people they like, um, whether it's Tate, whether it's Rogan, whether it's Vivek, whether it's the mayor of Miami, mm -hmm. whether it's Graham Stephan. We hopefully, to take a line from the BizDoc, left people better than we found them, yes. enjoyed our experience with them. They enjoyed our experience with them, with us, and we'll keep coming back for more. Maybe there's more Rogan on the agenda. Ooh. Maybe there's more Tate on the agenda. Ooh. There's certainly going to be more Mayor of Miami on the agenda. I'm sure there's going to be more Vivek on the agenda. Uh, there might even be more Nick Fuentes on the agenda. Ooh. We'll see. But that's what we do over here at Valuetainment. That's what we do here on the Sawscast. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. It's we the Sawscast, baby.